power on. We are experiencing technical difficulties. Please stay tuned. Look out! Quick, get it back up! Hurry! We are experiencing technical difficulties. Please stay tuned. Are we all clear? Oh, okay, we're all clear. Great. All right, hit the red button. No, not that button! <laughs> and now... The following is a presentation of the Sovereign Tech Podcast feed. From days of long ago... From uncharted regions of the universe comes a legend. The Legend of Sovereign Tech, podcast of the universe. A mighty tech show loved by anarchists, feared by authoritarians. As Sovereign Tech's legend grew, peace settled across the galaxy. On planet Earth, a union of egoists was formed. Together with the open source, retro gaming, and liberty-loving communities, they maintain peace throughout the universe. Until a new horrible menace threatened the galaxy. Sovereign Tech was needed once more. This is the podcast of super host Dr. Brian Sovereign. Specially trained and sent out into the galaxy to bring back Sovereign Tech, podcast of the universe. Woo! Will somebody please get a marching band going? Where's that marching band? Let's have it. Yeah! Woohoo! <laughs> Why? Why are we bringing on a marching band? Well, there's one reason enough, and that is because I'm being joined by the most lovely creature in the galaxy. Woo! Woo! <laughs> that being Mrs. Ellen Sovereign. Yay! But not only that, yes, yay, that is all the yay. And boy, that marching band could just keep going if it wanted to. <laughs> but the real, or no, that's not, I don't want to say the real reason, the other, it's the other. The other reason is, this is technically episode 500 of Sovereign Tech. Wow. Which, Congratulations. Yeah, well, it blows my fucking mind. I mean, the thing is, so here's the deal, right? Let's talk about this. First off, how the hell are you, Ellen? How the hell am I? <laughs> well, I'm doing all right. I'm just dandy. Thanks for asking. <laughs> You're looking, how, how are you doing? <laughs> You're looking rather dandy. I'm feeling rather dandy. <laughs> but... Uh, lovely. You're lovely. Wonderful. Yes. <laughs> Let me have some more of this decaf. No, uh, well, in a second. Um, <laughs> does this voice sound like it needs needs caffeinated coffee? Fuck no. Um, anyway. Not when you're drinking out of Spock's head. Oh, yeah. Spock's brain. It's one of my favorite episodes. Fuck people that say that episode sucks. I think it's amazing. Yeah. You just, you know, down in some, like, like matriarchal cave and all that. Uh, dynamite. Anyway, so... <laughs> And Spock's the only man good enough to power the whole damn thing. Right on. Okay, <laughs> so... Uh, season 3, folks. Original series. Go for it. Now, uh, really, here's the thing. This is more like the 2,000th episode I've ever done. You know, considering, like, every bit of audio that I've ever done, everything from... And not that there's much of this, but everything that had 15 minutes to things that it did 3 to 4 hours, whatever... Um, honestly, like, like, there's no point in counting anymore. 
the list goes on. Yeah, yeah, and, and and I get it. There are shows out there that make a big whoop, a big deal, and I've done it in the past. Where they may, and and I still have things I want to do with some of the past milestones of Sovereign Tech that I want to make good on. Um, but you know, once you've broken, well, I mean, the average podcast, how many episodes does it generally have? Seven, like at best. In fact, there's even podcasts that are planned to only do seven episodes or less. Um, but that, but that's the thing. Like, I don't know. Once you get a, once you've been doing it for like a hundred episodes, sure, celebrate your hundredth episode, and then give it a rest. Like, <laughs> it's at that point. All right, man. You know, you, you've you've really you have a level of consistency, and you've put something out there in the world for a good long while. So for me, you know, it, it's. Yes, I'll celebrate 500, you know, technically 500 episodes. Um, but at the same time, I'm, I'm done counting. You know, like... You're the, done. I'm, I'm done. I'm done counting. So there's not going to be any more numbered episodes? Yeah. Yeah, actually, like, that. after this, like, there's no episode 501. As fun as that would be to make some kind of Levi's jeans joke around it. Um, but there... Yeah, 500... Okay, we did 500 episodes, whatever. We'll still have some special episodes out. What do you think? What, what's I'm going amazed on? you don't want to go to 666. I mean, th there's a real oh, opportunity shit. there. <laughs> that changes the whole plan. I've been planning this for months. <laughs> and then you go and come out with this brilliant idea, as you do. Well, you never talk to me about it. Well, it's, that's that. Well, there's problem number one. <laughs> Man, you're right. That's okay. I think you can name any episode you want 666. Heck, I think you could celebrate any episode. Really. Mm -hmm. Every episode should be a celebration. Well, I would think so. I yeah. mean, I've always run by the auspices that you're only as good as your last episode. Um, now, that's a lot of pressure to put on somebody. Do I have the shoulders for that? Well, you tell me. They're pretty wide. Yeah. yeah. Hey. <laughs> so, but um. We just worked them out yesterday. Oh, that was brutal. Fuck. How long <laughs> were we working out for? Oh, over two hours. It yeah, was yeah. Like two and a half. That that sucked. I mean, I loved it, but that sucked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got pretty tiresome toward the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so we're anyway. We we're watching some Andor with Rob. And then we went and got in a workout. We're actually going to talk about Andor here in a minute because there is some news that uh, that plays off of some things that we discussed over the past couple of years, really since 2020. Um, but just to wrap things up, you're right. I could do episode 666 at any point. And I think there's a good time to do it. And so I'm going to run with that. But yeah, I think now it's time to make it happen. 500 episodes, no more counting episodes. And I think it's also time to do the show, the big show name change. So, Ooh. and that, which of course you've already been spearheading the name change. And that is, you know, going from Sovereign Tech to Sovereign Technica, just like you had this, you've had the Sovereign Technica newsletter now for many, 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 many months. And it's just getting hotter. Got another massive uh, 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 Year subscriber. Year-long subscriber. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's... That's three in as many weeks, and, and this ain't cheap, folks. <laughs> you know, I'm just so amazed and impressed and really flattered and honored that people are uh, putting in that amount of money. And not only that, it seems like they feel as though we're giving the commitment that that ensures that they can commit to a year-long subscription, which, like, is incredible. I'm, I'm just so honored by that. Yeah, see, that's the thing. This is, this is the secret sauce, right? Um, and folks, we got great stuff to get into. We got amazing stories to get into. 
here, like wild stuff and things that actually Ellen and I have talked about in the past that are actually reaching some closure, which is pretty wild. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we're going to get into all of it. We're, we're going to go to the moon, and I mean that, no Dogecoin. Uh, we're we're going to do all kinds of stuff in this episode. So anyway, but to your point, that's really the key. You just got to be consistent. You got to keep it going, you know, and you don't have to, you don't have to be consistent like 100% of the time, but at least like 98% of the time. You've, you've got to be consistent, you know, and for me with Sovereign Tech for years, like no, whatever the launch day was, because it's shifted over time, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Friday, whatever, it's got to be there. It's got to be out. Got to make it happen, you know, and people, when they know that you're willing to put in the work, you know, that they buy in like they and, and they see it and you've been there for a while and you keep the And I mean, yes, you got to have the great quality, which you've got that in spades. On the Sovereign Technica newsletter, I must <laughs> oh, say. thank you. You thank do. You. Uh, You're a part of that, though. Well, I do my part, you know, and... but It's an important part. Eh, it's the part that people pay for, I think. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> people like that short fiction. I, I got a lot of reactions to the latest stuff I've done because people are like, whoa, that's fucking dark. You know, <laughs> like, what the, what was that? Mm. And, and it's not even the Sovereign Universe. It's something completely separate. And I, and I think it's I think it's got people excited, but uh, but certainly had some people worried what the hell I was writing. But I uh, was worried, too. It, sure. But, well, anyway, we talked about that on the Patreon-only Wednesday Q&A. Um, I covered, you know, the, like the, those people's uh, uh, concerns. And so, you know, it's called the Silkverse, if people are wondering. It's been happening the last couple issues of the Sovereign Technica newsletter. And uh, I'll just put it this way. I've had... It's it's been a real pleasure for me to get that creative side out um, on that, but that's not what we're here to talk about. So <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So going forward, to be in line with what, in many ways, I, I consider to be like the great product, which is the Sovereign Technica newsletter, in, in so many ways. Uh, you know, to be in line with that, um, and this was part of the reason we. You know, we had decided, you and I, Ellen, to, to call it the Sovereign Technica newsletter and not the Sovereign Tech newsletter uh, was because eventually the show would get rebranded in that direction as well. And part of the reason for that is to really for it to make more sense of the broader scope of subjects that I get into. Um, and, and I think right now, right now in 2022, it makes sense to make that happen. Are there going to be new T-shirts? Yep, you bet. And actually, the patrons have known this for months. Like, I already told them months ago, you know, that this was going to be happening. So it's not like this is just out of nowhere. Uh, this has been in the works for, fuck, close to a year, I would say, uh, that, that this has been, you know, uh, uh, simmering. You know, and, and now 500 episodes, you know, uh, uh, like prime episodes, as we call them, and that'll be it. So when you see it in, you know, your podcast feed, it'll say Sovereign Technica, and then there will be a show title, not getting rid of show titles, but there will be no number. Um, and there's other reasons for doing this, I mean, that have to do with, like, uh, the way that the, the larger industry recommends when you have a long-standing podcast. You don't want to create, like, a feeling that, oh, shit, I have to listen to 500 episodes to get caught up. No, you can just pick up on any episode and go forward. And that's that's kind of an attitude that has to be worked with as well. So anyway, there's a, there's the exciting news to come out of out of episode 500, uh, and of course we have other things that we're going to do as far as formatting with the show and all that that you'll you know get experience with hopefully within the next week, uh, coming the next episode. But yeah, folks, you don't have to count them anymore. You just have to be here and, and check them out, and I hope everybody has a good time. So anyway, yeah, Ellen, really though, 
I know I asked you earlier, how the hell are you? But like, really, how the hell are you? I mean, you are, you're out there changing the world. How are things? I'm hot shit right now. You are hot shit. <laughs> I mean, I, I have got it, man. <laughs> like, like you, I, I handed you the cup of uh, uh, of um, uh, dairy-free ice cream. And like that, that ice cream just melted instantly once it was in your hands. I mean, it was, it was something. No M and M's here, folks. I like soft serve anyway. Yeah, right on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at least with ice cream. So, <laughs> all joking aside, though, um, yeah. I'm I'm doing okay. I'm feeling incredibly busy now um, mm -hmm. because I'm working as an engineer, but I'm also writing the newsletter, and it's like having two jobs. And yes. It's yeah. Uh, it's hard. But I'm good. I'm happy. I, I like what I'm doing. I actually love what I'm doing. So, well, uh, it's just. I mean, I want to. Now, I want to give credit where it's due. Now, you like jumped in. I mean, in your new work, we won't go into too much detail on what that is. But like, you you bumped up mm -hmm. into like a level two position, not level one. You know, like like you're, I, and and you certainly bumped up significantly with what you were doing previously. Um, would you say that is that fair? Yeah, yeah, that's definitely fair. Um, and part of the reason that I was able to, like, skip the entry-level position was because I put in the hard work. Like, I've yep. been working towards this for the past, I don't know, eight years? Yeah, right. Like, I already have previous experience. I have all the college. Like, I, I've got more college than they require, really. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it. I feel like I'm getting what I finally deserve, and I'm really happy about that i yeah. mean of course everybody would be happy with more but like i i don't need tons of money i just love having the comfort of knowing that okay everything's taken care of and we can just do what we want <laughs> yeah well i mean and not only that like also this is a position this is a job that isn't going anywhere you know oh, because no, yeah. i've been talking about in recent uh recent episodes of sovereign tech now I should say Sovereign Technica, but in recent episodes, after this episode, we will. In recent episodes of Sovereign Tech, you know, I've been talking about how, like, Silicon Valley, like, that bubble's bursting, baby. I mean, like, it's tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of jobs are going to be going away. And all of those people should run, run yes. towards the medical and biomedical industries. Damn skippy, because that <laughs> was never, that's like restaurant work. It ain't going anywhere. They are growing. Yeah. <laughs> at a rapid pace. <laughs> right. Yeah. And they don't have enough people, and they need they need smart people. They need people willing to work. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you're you're in a very, I would say, powerful position, you know, and in one that isn't going anywhere. Like you're not in danger, you know, of, of no. like losing your job at all. Uh, no, I feel pretty confident in that. Feel pretty comfortable. Yeah, yeah, and and it's it's a pity. I mean, not that necessarily tech jobs are really like going away just now, and they are always going to be there. But I know a narrative, really, for the past 20, 30 years, has been oh, learn coding, get into tech work, and all that. And while I think learning coding is still a valuable thing to do, you've even dabbled in that, Ellen. I mean, oh yeah, coding is an essential skill for any person working in a science-related field that wants to be able to visualize data. Yeah, right. And I think it's, I mean, I would go so far as to say it's an essential skill for the 21st century. You know, like, it, it's a really great way to understand much of the world around you. Not the universe, but the, the it's, it's a great way to understand civilization. That's how I should put it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. And so, 
because there's a problem where you have people who think they're good at code and so suddenly oh the whole universe is a computer and is this and that and it's like no shut up people <laughs> who aren't good at code think that <laughs> yeah oh well yes you are so on with that uh and you can tell <laughs> when people aren't but anyway um coding is essential but here's the thing like if i were to say to a kid hey you know hey kid like what if you wanted job security into the future, what should you be getting into? Oh, I think, you know, medical and, you know, bioengineering and all, like, that's the place to look. Um, you know, like, that's that's more of a guarantee. I don't even know that I'd say, oh, yeah, become a lawyer or something like that. Oh, uh, oh, no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, if I can just butt in here. Please. Like, this is a very conventional conversation. And I know that we're just talking about survival in modern civilization and making money and having job security and yes. 401ks and health insurance. And all of that stuff is lovely. But fuck the man, you know? Like, oh, yeah. I, I don't care about this. Like, I'd much rather be living off in the woods. But the thing is, like, we can't actually get there and be insured of our survival until we go through this. Yes. And until we build up, like enough experience that we know that we can do that yeah there's really only a heaven to be found on the other end of the civil or the hell of civilization yeah so, which yeah. i can't wait to get out of as fast as possible yes um and we don't really know what that looks like yet but we're preparing for that yes eventuality absolutely um which which is very exciting um also on another point that you just brought up mm -hmm. about you know the the medical industry um so technically, the, the industry that I work in is biopharmaceuticals, and while that is a very worthwhile effort, that's something that I feel passionate about, and yes, I say that in my job interviews too, um, <laughs> <laughs> because that actually has to do with creating life-saving medicines for people with really rare genetic diseases, Yes. Um, or, you know, uh, autoimmune diseases, but the what grows concurrently with that is the pharmaceutical industry and that is not something that i support or enjoy thinking about sure um i mean there, there are certainly good drugs in the world but there are also just not good drugs that people are told that they need yeah and they don't actually need them and they end up spending so much money on it just curing diseases that society itself is causing right um so anyway, it, it does provide job security, but um, that's not something that I would have chosen for myself because I have that sort of moral compunction. <laughs> sure. I mean, at the same time, you are saving lives instead of just like harvesting everybody's data and privacy and everything. That's yeah, yeah, you know? totally. I mean, there's a value in that. But I, I completely understand where you're coming from. Um, yeah. So, so I'm just saying there are jobs out there, but mm -hmm. like there are varying degrees of quality. <laughs> of what what work you're doing in the world and like yeah. what, what you're bringing to fruition with your work yeah yeah and i mean i guess I, you know if i were to to and, and all well said beautifully said thank you um and if i were to to put like a, a hundred year or maybe even 200 year view on it you know uh like what are things going to look like in a couple hundred years uh, i would say that perhaps even your industry might might be on on rocky ground and the reason I say that is, like, when I think of, like, the works of, like, Bruce Lipton and some of these other guys, like, I, I think they're getting into areas where maybe Big Pharma becomes pointless. You know, I hope that's the future. Yeah. Where people can just meditate and, like, believe themselves out of illnesses. Biology belief. <laughs> <laughs> but that does seem like it's quite a ways away. 
Well, it's, it, yeah, I mean, oh, we could get into a whole side subject on that. And you're right. You're right. It, it is it is far away. Um, but it's the same thing where, like, you know, the argument before would be that, well, big data is where you can make all of your money. No. And one of the things I really want to, oh, and I, and I feel like I always have concentrated on this with Sovereign Tech, is, you know, self-hosting data, having control of your own data, you know, and not like and not relying upon cloud services and all this other, you know, shit that uh, that that Silicon Valley was trying to sell you and now is frankly on fire. You know, like, like my, my, my point was <laughs> not in was the made. good way, not in the good way. Yeah, no, no. And fire. Yeah, it's it, it's like. Right, it's burning down. It's not fire. <laughs> yeah, it's on fire. <laughs> right, it, it is burning down to the ground, um, and and at an alarming rate, frankly, uh, right now. So anyway, the future. You know, let me ask you this before we before we dive into the hellscape. Um, you know, I've always said on Sovereign Tech that I am a I'm, I'm a, a short term pessimist, but a long term optimist, uh, and I still feel that. How do you feel about that? Like, like, do you think the future is going to be better in 100 years, 200 years, or worse? Oh, God, the way things are going right now, mm -hmm. worse. Worse? Yeah. I, yeah. So this is complicated, and I always have a hard time figuring out how to describe this. But mm -hmm. um, I guess if I had to essentially boil it down to, like, a, a cheeky saying like you just said um i'm a short-term optimist and long-term pessimist whoa you're the opposite <laughs> wow um good thing we both agreed to prepare for the worst so yeah <laughs> yeah well this kind of has to do with one of the stories that we're going to talk about in this show uh -huh. um but i do feel like things are getting to a critical point where even if all of humanity stops right now mm -hmm. doing bad things um it's going to take a long time for the planet to recover. Ah, oh, I know what you're talking yeah. about. I know which story you're talking and about. And yeah. honestly, so so we have a friend talking about, like, you know, how he's excited to move up north in a place that right now is, like, not very high po in population mm -hmm. and has really cold winters. But in, like, 20 years, when climate change really strikes, it's going to have the climate of some place that's much more southerly mm -hmm. um so people are going to be flocking there in large numbers because they're climate refugees um and it'll be a nice place mm -hmm. uh and like it's nice now but uh, his point was like it'll be nicer weather wise right uh it'll have be the weather of boston right something yeah. like that um but what I didn't bring up when this was being discussed because it's just so fucking depressing but it it is unavoidable is that if the climate change becomes that bad life isn't going to be great mm -hmm. like people are going to be dying and yeah. species are going to be dying like whole species are going to be dying yes um the planet is going to be on fire yeah and food shortages abound like there's not going to be anything nice about that yeah and it's already happening um and i'm not trying to be a scaremonger but I feel like we we are at a critical point in time, and humanity is not slowing down its progression towards ultimate destruction of natural resources. So, yeah. But, like, in my personal life, in my life right now, where I'm living right now, um, you know, my day-to-day, -day, that's mm -hmm. all great and lovely. And 
I think the dystopian aspects of it are kept to a minimum, mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. least from what I can see. Yeah. So I'm trying to enjoy just being in the present <laughs> right. and not thinking too much about the future. Sure. And I'm pretty successful at that right now. Um, I just don't know what it's going to be like in 20 or 30 years, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I imagine that's a bit of a, uh, well, to put it in this phrasing, the term climate refugee is probably a bit of a trigger word for some people listening right now. Um, and, and, and I hear where you're coming from on all that, you know, like I, I, I really get it. Uh, and I, and I agree, you know, in that there isn't like, as far as, okay, is the planet earth going to be as, uh, habitable and beautiful as it can be in a hundred years? Yeah, I'm with you. It's not. It's not because you're right. We're it's too little's being done to try and remedy a lot of this stuff, and we are going to get into a story that talks very much about it that is wildly depressing, frankly. Um, so, but to that point, I mean, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me what people think. Like, well, is the climate the way it is because of what humans are doing, or is it a natural cycle and all of this? You know, whatever. It's like, okay, it doesn't matter. In New Hampshire. In late November, it was 70 fucking degrees. I'm wearing shorts and a tank top. I don't think I've ever done that in my life in New England. Like, that's... In November? That's crazy. Yeah. And so, yeah. Like, like, you know, the idea that, uh, well, no, everything's fine. This is a cycle. This is... An, it's like, no, no, not everything's fine. And that's not even getting into microplastics and other bullshit that is absolutely fucking legit. Yeah, you know? totally. Like, <laughs> this is, I wanted to say, like, when I say climate change, I'm not just talking about the weather getting warmer. I'm also right. talking about, like, the literal ecosystem is yeah. changing because of humans, and there there is scientific evidence for this that cannot be ignored. Right. Um, it's not just temperatures rising. It's things that we are adding and things that we're taking away from the environment. Right. Things that we're doing to destroy it. And, th- like, all of that, I think, is wrapped up in that definition of climate change. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, I mean, let's be clear here. You know, the people in Silicon Valley and all the people we've, you know, every company that we complain about and all that. In fact, actually, we're going we're gonna to get to this in, in the foreplay as well about some of these people. Because now I kind of wonder. Because these guys are all getting ready to bunker down in New Zealand you know, when everything goes to shit. And they're not just worried about the economy going to shit, they're worried about the ecology going to shit. And that they need to be somewhere, you know, where they can be safe, and they're trying to figure out how the hell can I still pay my security guards and make sure they have a good life and they'll still be my security guard, you know, when it, when civilization falls apart and all this. I mean, these guys are getting ready for collapse, you understand? And <laughs> it's, you know, not, I mean, maybe it's not exactly going to happen, but, man... You know, just if people are putting their head in the sand and saying the market's going to solve it, fuck you. Like, <laughs> I'll just say, like, fuck you. No, it's not. No, you are going to solve it by changing your life and making yeah. decisions for yourself that are better for the planet. Right, right. If you're not, like, actively out there telling people, like, hey, can we, like, calm down about having to constantly just have new users? Growth, 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 and, you know, and all this crap, like... No, <laughs> you know, and it's not, I'm not even like saying, oh, the world's overpopulated or all that crap. I'm not even going there. It is. Well, well, <laughs> I'm just saying that, like, <laughs> you, you, 
I love you. <laughs> you don't have to say it. I'll say it. <laughs> they can hate me. I'm only here once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> You're here all the time. <laughs> but I don't even have to go there. Like, it's just, we're wrecking this shit, you know? And, and not only that, I mean, we're, we're fucking with our own heads endlessly, you know? And we have companies, like I've talked about, you have companies that are blowing... 10, five to ten billion dollars a year on bullshit little, you know, tin can speakers in your living rooms, and you think this is fucking sustainable? And you, th no, none of this is fucking sustainable. This is a goddamn joke. It's the worst one in history, you know. Oh man, and it, and and part of it is because these people think. In fact, I I don't get it. If apparently all this shit's so data driven. How is that five billion dollars passing by and nobody's saying nobody's saying shit about it? Like, just none of this, none of this makes sense, you know. Like, anyway, and yeah, if you're not actively like trying to put a stop to the Church of Eternal Growth and like actively saying, okay, yeah, you know what, plastic isn't the greatest thing on planet Earth, like. I don't know what to tell you. You know, like, the, I'm sorry, the market's the market is not going to solve that. There are no incentives whatsoever to give a shit about planet Earth. Like, there aren't any because you know, giving a shit about planet Earth includes degrowth and includes a lot of things, and it means you don't make money. And so, <laughs> yeah, and can I just point out that the market is you? Like, you are part of the market, and if you feel like you're not partially responsible, then that's just turning a blind eye to these issues. Because everybody contributes with their dollar, isn't that what? Well, right. What, if, what people say, capitalists. Yeah, they yeah. love that saying. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean you're right. If you, if the market is just people or whatever, the problem is is that the market's been turned into a god where you just say, well, God will solve it. Just replace it with the word market. That's the problem. <laughs> and and so then you're there isn't really a market. There's just a bunch of lazy shits, you know, like like sitting around. Say, I don't be fine. To go away baiting, you know, whatever. <laughs> I like money. I mean, that's that's what you've got with these fucking people who are like, the market will solve it. I'm like, oh, shut up. Did you just quote Idiocracy? Of course I did. The problem is it's so hilarious because you got fucking libertarians saying they're, they're constantly using memes of that. It's like, no, you're the fucking meme, you moron. Like, don't you understand that like, you're the one that's just sitting there saying, yeah, free market, I want the money, I want this, I want to masturbate, I want to, you know, whatever, and then who cares if, like, there's a million, uh, 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 I, I don't know, if Mountain Dew slapped all over everything and feeding the plants or whatever the hell it was and, you know, it makes the plants grow. Uh, yeah. Oh, Gatorade, it's got electrolytes. Yeah, yeah, of course, but it's their version of Gatorade. It's what plants but, crave. But, yeah, it's what the plants crave. <laughs> I think you're 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 returning to an infantile state. <laughs> you're retreating. <laughs> it's just too much to handle, folks. Well, it's just madness. Save Brian. <laughs> it's just madness because, like, you know, people are rightfully so come out and say, "Okay, well, give us a solution," and this and the the response is just dumb. You know, like, <laughs> and I, I mean, like. Do I have all the answers for everything? No, no one person has all the answers. That's about that's how a market's supposed to work. But then also, okay, the market's supposed to work, so it's supposed to work. So you're supposed to work. You're supposed to work towards it. You're not supposed to just like sit back, bitch about the government, you know, and uh, and and just say like, well, whatever, it, it'll get figured out. No, it's not going to get figured out. It can't. 
You know, unless, like, you get knowledgeable about it and you do something, whatever that happens to be, you know, and, and I just, I feel like we have very, very few doers. And what are they doing if there are doers? I, I don't know, so many people have become political lately. And what the hell is that going to solve? What does that ever solve? Nothing. We have the tr greatest track record. If there's ever a great collection of research data, you know, or, or, a, or one of the largest data sets we have is on authoritarianism and that it does not fucking work. There is no point to appealing to it. There is no point engaging in it. You can do active things right now. If you can vote with your dollar, if you think the market can speak, then stop buying into it. You know, stop buying all the plastic crap. Stop buying whatever. Uh, lower your... For fuck's sake, lower your temperature gauge. But influence does work. People, sure. People are very influenced by influential people. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, but I think that there's, like, I mean, who's, who's like, the number one person that everybody's talking about right now? It's not a politician. You know, it's, it, it, it's, it's Elno Musk. And, like, he's not a politician. He's not, I mean, he has, he has tremendous influence, I think. It's, in fact, it's fucking creepy. But, you know, basically, to be, like, if you want to, if you do want to engage in influence, like, I would argue being outside of politics you know, is where you can actual have actual influence, you know. Um, but, well, whatever. Uh, <laughs> you know, since we're having this conversation Please. about society, do you mind if I break into a side tangent about something that let, I... Let, let's do it. All you know, right. we, we had a great show planned. We're already 30 minutes deep, but what the hell? Go for it, Al. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Well, I just wanted to say, um, and I'll be brief about this. No, it's so, go for but it. But I've been reading the book... Uh, Les Miserables by Phenomenal. Victor Hugo. Yes. And he has a very interesting perspective on society. Um, so in the world that he grew up in, you know, uh, cities are growing larger, civilization is booming, um, but there's all these poor people. There's people, like, starving in the side streets, you know, uh, constantly people begging, starving, dying of illness. And his... Uh, his idea is developed out of that world where, you know, like early 1800s. And um, he came to the realization that society is a big machine that's kind of like growing and moving along. And the best goal for society is to feed the hungry, clothe the cold, provide medicine for the sick... And, like, in general, improve everyone's lives. Mm. And at the same time, France was coming out of a monarchy, moving towards, a, you know, a more republic or a more representative democracy, I mm -hmm. should say. Um, and it feels like that experiment kind of failed, you know? The French like, Revolution, you're so saying? Society has fulfilled all of those things like it is feeding more people now than ever before yes. it's providing more medicine than ever before yes it's clothing more people than ever before in fact there's so many clothes that like people don't even know what to do with them they're just throwing them away yeah same thing with like food and medicine mm -hmm. but it's not working you know it's yeah. not resolving our issues we're just finding new issues and the new issues are yeah lots of people are sick 
But they're not sick from the same illnesses that people were 200 years ago. They're sick with all new things. Right. That's caused by the food, the excessive food that we have that's also made out of stuff that people weren't eating 200 years ago. Yeah. It's... I'm All I'm trying to say is that I feel like this experiment with society and culture and governance is not a resolution to anything. You know, having that historical perspective, it's just crazy to see how little things have changed and how much. No, I agree. I agree. And, and for me, like so much of these problems ultimately comes down to advertising, meaning that people are getting sold lifestyle obsessions. Like, okay, we cured this, we cured this, we cured this. What else can we think of? Or, you know, like, not, not just that, but like, okay, we have tons of clothing. Well, then we got to change what people think the kind of clothing they need. You know, like, I, I mean, it, so much of it comes on advertising. This speaks to a point I made like two, three episodes ago. And nothing has changed. Like Silicon Valley, oh, they're creating this whole new world? Bullshit. They're a bunch of ad companies now. That's all they are. Like, that's all that they are. I mean, when Microsoft comes out and, and, and effectively feels that the entire purpose of Microsoft Windows, the most used operating system on the planet by consumers, okay, uh, that Microsoft Windows is just a platform to push ads upon you, we're fucked. Like, I, I mean, like the, that, then Microsoft is an ad company, and that's all that they are. You know, and Google hates Microsoft. Why? Because Google knows that Microsoft is also their main competition as an ad company. That's all that they are. It's insane. You got Jeff Bezos coming out. I mean, this is this is nuts. Like speaking of what you're what you're just saying. In fact, I I had the story. In fact, you, I think you can see it right here. Uh, boy, it's a terrible picture of Bezos. Look at that. <laughs> oh man, he wow. looks like a psycho turtle. All the money in the world cannot keep you from aging poorly. That is for sure. Uh, so anyway. <laughs> Um, but uh, actually, a previous guest and one of my journalistic heroes, uh, uh, Sovereign Tech, uh, Mike Elgin, is quoted in this. But so here's the headline. Let me tell you about it, folks. So it's why is Jeff Bezos facing criticism for asking people not to purchase homes, cars or TVs? Because he's criticized for everything. Well, hold on. So here's what he said. He said, if you are an individual considering to purchase a big screen TV, you might want to wait Hold on to your money and see what transpires. The same is true with a new automobile, refrigerator, or whatever else, Bezos said. He also suggested that people stay away from purchasing homes and appliances for now. Okay, now, you hear that. What do you think? Well, at first, you know, my my loving, optimistic self would read into that, like, oh, well, maybe he's suggesting to people, hang on to your money, don't spend it on useless junk, Instead, give it to people who need it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or, you know, wait a little bit, think about if you really need it or not, and maybe that, that'll discourage you from being as consumerist. Sure. I mean, you read that and you go, you know what, that, I mean, just at first blush, and you can say, yeah, that sounds like sound uh, uh, advice yeah, for sure. the economic climate that we're in, right? We can read into it and justify it in whatever way we want. Well, but I'm guessing he said something else. Well, here, see, <laughs> this is the thing. This is, and and you know, like in the Sovereign Technica newsletter, when I said with Fourier, it's more interesting what's in the white space, what didn't he say? This is a case where, wait a minute, what didn't he list off that you shouldn't buy? Mike, El Mike Elgin, in his brilliance, came out and clearly said, Quote, Bezos urges, urged people to put off expenditures for big-ticket items such as new cars, televisions, and appliances. Translation, Bezos urged people to put off expenditures for items people don't buy on Amazon to save money 
for Amazon purchases. And Ooh. yeah, right. Wow, that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, while yes, you can buy refrigerators on Amazon, you can even buy cars on Amazon. What? You can buy TVs. What? Yeah, no, you you can, but that's not usually what people go to Amazon for. And you know, and, and Elgin, you know, responded with that. So it's like, yeah, I hear you that you can buy these things, but that's usually people don't do don't go there for that. I think Mike Elgin's analysis is spot on. Bezos basically said, don't buy anything that you can't buy on Amazon. Like that's really all that he said in that and so I, I bring this up just to say like look at the look at the, even this fucking narrative that sounds like great economic advice is actually just a way for you to buy more shit from one company this is the you know this is the hellscape we're in this, this, this is the dystopia that we live in everything is advertising even what sounds like good economic advice is just fucking advertising for Amazon like that, that is an interesting interpretation. Yeah. Well, that's uh, journalistic hero right there. <laughs> One of what I mean, seriously, like when when he was on Sovereign. Speaking of, you know, we're on episode five hundred, going over the history. When I had him on Sovereign Tech, that was amazing. Like I, I was, I couldn't believe that he agreed, and that was like episode ten, and he agreed to be on. I was, it was such an honor. But anyway, yeah, that's an interesting, you know, way of looking at it. But that's the thing, like you said, nothing has really changed. Okay, the advertisers, the marketers, have to make it seem like something changed and you know and then we have phones that like notify us endlessly you know <laughs> with, with bullshit anyway bottom line we, we could talk about this forever but we have like a whole show set up <laughs> but the bottom line for me is make yourself as resilient as you possibly can resilient meaning you're not reliant upon the system and that includes all aspects of the system from silicon valley even to the nearest hospital to whatever as much as you can everybody's in a different position there are people who have, you know, very serious conditions, and I'm glad civilization is here to help, or, you know, that, that the, there's infrastructure in place to either uh, mitigate, relieve, cure, you know, whatever it looks like. Um, I'm not against that at all, you know, but, uh, yeah, you know, just get healthy as fuck to outlive the state. If you can, grow your own fucking food, you know, or at least change your diet to something that isn't reliant upon whatever. And, yeah, what you got anything else you want to add on that, Owen? <laughs> yeah, sure. I could give tons of advice. <laughs> Eat whole foods. Yeah. Plants. <laughs> right. And stop using plastic. Don't buy from Amazon. Don't buy from Walmart. You know what? Just, like, buy as little as you can that isn't an all-natural product. Sure. There you go. And, yeah, yeah, support yourself as much as possible. Exercise. Right. All right, is there that we, enough? That's Should great. I keep going? That's great because you know what? And, <laughs> read and, and, books. Yeah, yeah. Read. Oh fuck! <laughs> and read old and long books. Absolutely. I mean, I was just saying this to you earlier. Your two favorite things in the world <laughs> are, you know, huge books and huge something else. Other things. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Not books. Not not books, but they're big. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, okay, so. <laughs> But let's renop that uh, because we're because <laughs> we're going to talk about none other uh, than well, Ellen, one of your one of your favorite people, uh, that being Elizabeth Holmes. <laughs> so, what made you think she's my favorite? She's only my third favorite. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh man! All right, she's she's my favorite villain in real life of the past I don't know five years. Yeah, yeah, she's a hell of a villain. 
Well, let's talk about it for, you know, of course, Elizabeth Holmes, uh, the, the founder of Theranos. Uh, and I don't, I mean, I think everybody kind of knows, you know, knows that story at this point. We don't have to re, you know, go back over all of that. Um, but essentially the hammer or, or the gavel finally came down and she is getting 11 years in prison for fraud along with very hefty fines and even after that 11 years of fraud there's three years of uh, observation and all kinds of other things um i guess people are pissed about being lied to imagine I that imagine <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah it, i mean do you want me to get into a bit of how i feel about this yeah sure okay. how do you feel about it brian well i'm of a few minds here i want to be sensitive a to, um, I think there's a good old boys club that loves skewering a woman like this. That's about the one thing that, like, the one give that I'm, I'm going to give to Elizabeth Holmes on this. You know, like, like, because there are a million guys out there that have done the exact, in many ways, the exact same thing she did, or worse. In fact, maybe much worse. That aren't doing any time, aren't getting charged for shit. And, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm an anarchist and I'm not one for, and also I think that our, our present uh, justice system, our concepts of justice, well, our initial concepts of justice weren't bad. You know, better that 10 guilty people go free than one innocent person, you know, uh, you know, get prosecuted or whatever, um, or punished. And I agree with that, but we're not in that system anymore. That's long gone, uh, if we ever really were. Um, of course, concepts like restorative justice and whatever else, you know, are far better ways of thinking about this. And, you know, I'll admit that in one sense, like, oh, she, she deserves every bit of shit that she's getting. You know, like, I, I, get, I, I feel that. I hear that. Um, I really do wish, like, pretty much everybody in Silicon Valley was getting, I, I mean, again, I'm not one for prison and jail and all this stuff. I don't think that really solves anything. And I certainly, like, you know, they want her to go to prison for 11 years. Who Who is she going to harm? Even if she didn't go to prison, who is she going to harm again? Anyone? You, you know? Well, so here's an interesting thing. Yeah. Um, I, I recently, actually in the last few days, just came across this article about Anna Sorokin, who I think you're probably familiar with. She was somebody pretending to be a Russian heiress. She oh, yeah. frauded people out of like $200,000. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, and she went to jail for it. Yeah. But when when she got released, like suddenly, you know, now she's got all sorts of publicity. Uh, people are like making TV shows about her, buying prints of her sketches, mm-hmm. going to dinners that she's hosting. Like... Mm-hmm. She's living a really great life because people are interested in her story. And, like, it freaks me out because if somebody is a proven fraud, why would anybody give them attention afterwards? But the thing is, people love this drama. They love this gossip. They're going to find ways to make her famous again. Like, if only in infamy. Oh, she's going to make... She, like, okay, so she's going to do, you know, 11 years and then th- plus three years of observation or whatever that is. So let's let's say all told 15 years and however much money she's going to do 15 years within the justice system. Okay. Uh, and it doesn't appear like there's no, you know, this is federal as I understand it. She's not, you know, there's, there's no parole here or anything like that. There's no good behavior. Um, 
But the point is for her to be punished. People want her to live in a gray room and right. not have access to electronics and be miserable for that amount of time that she's in jail just to make her, you know, regret what she's doing. Yeah. If she's given money and media deals and all this, that's the, like, she's going to be living a great life. Well, that's the thing, precisely. That's 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 what I was going to say, is that, like, she the movie rights alone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's just got to ride it out. And she's going to sit pretty the rest of her fucking life. You know? Like, I, I mean... And, and that that's part of just how fucked up our society is. Like... We almost always uh, reward, you know, the, the sick bastards or the sick fucks. You know, we, we almost always reward, uh, uh, the, the, you know, well, I mean, you know, I toy with, uh, oh, you know, I'm in villain mode and all this stuff, you know, or I'm the super villain and everything and the world needs a villain. And, I, you know, I toy with that term. Um, but no, let, let, let's let's go with the actual definition of it. This this is a villain. This is a sociopath. <laughs> this is a sociopath. This is the real. This is a really bad person and she's winning like she's not really losing here you know um, again at the same time do i think that you know i still empathize with the fact that yeah i think there is a good old boy network here that that is enjoying doing this to a woman because she's a woman um but also uh yeah i don't so much of this is is pointless and it's not only pointless it doesn't really like she's not really being punished at all um ultimately because of what you just said that like she's i mean people are just enamored i mean we're even talking about it right she's just a you know she, she's a uh you know she's a phenomenon yeah yeah um well can i just say, i mean she will be kind of miserable while she's in prison sure but once she gets out i mean she's it's not like she's going to learn anything from this experience I don't think so anyway. Well, I don't think Martha Stewart. I don't think sociopaths learn. I think they just like deal with what they have to while they have to and then once they're free they're just gonna go back to their old ways. Because yeah. they're sociopaths. Yeah. Well, uh, and I'm not saying that like people can't change. I think normal people can, but sociopaths are not sane. They're not healthy. Well, that's another issue. And that's another area where like even if I thought that the prison system was doing something good, um, this needs to be treated differently because mm -hmm. she doesn't even know that she still thinks she didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Which is just fucking insane. Because, yeah. And like, I think part of the reason that she got in so much trouble, mm -hmm. um, in addition to what you were saying is that she messed with the wrong industry. Like yeah. she chose the biotech field, which yeah. is a very science driven field that you cannot put, you, you can't pull the wool over people's eyes. Like, well, Right. You can't fake tests forever. Like, there is a very strong structure in place, a governing structure that oversees every single detail mm -hmm. of that industry. Mm -hmm. And, like, there's no way that the government isn't going to be alerted. Right. It, it just is impossible. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad this all fell apart as soon as it did, because you're totally right. This is a medical issue, and billions of people's lives could have been on the line. Yeah, she was making deals with, what was it, CVS Pharmacy? Yeah. Or was it Rite Aid or something like Either that? Either Walgreens, yeah. maybe? All the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, they were going to have Theranos machines right. in their stores. Right. I mean, and that just shows, like, like, so much of this even happened because we're playing at such a large scale now, nobody can verify anything. You really can't know. 
you know, like, okay, does this actually work or doesn't it? You know, in fact, I was even hearing, I was listening to some podcasts where there are people who are very, very smart people who were more or less ready to cut a check. They just wanted to see, can I just see it in action? And basically the only reason they didn't lose out and that they didn't invest in her was because their schedules just didn't work out to where they could see it in action. And like, they're glad, and I'm glad some of these people will admit, um, you know, that woof, lucked out on that one, you know, but like, that's the thing, the systems we have in place or the systems that we've had in, you know, individually for thousands of years of how do you believe somebody or trust somebody does not work at the scale that our civilization operates on anymore. And so like you say, how could people be so dumb to fall for her shit? It's like, no, like <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's our hard wiring, you know, in, in all this. And we're playing at such high levels. We have to rely on so many different points of trust that of course this can happen. And it happens all the time. She's far from the worst person. I would argue in this other than what really makes her, you know, uh, uh, malicious is that this is the medical field, you know? And I mean, but boy, it makes you wonder about all kinds of medical developments that if <laughs> what else, what's gotten by, you know, that, that people didn't verify well enough, but that's, that's a whole other story. So anyway, what do you got? Yeah. Well, I, I just wanted to say like, you know, there's, there was enough data even, as Theranos was being developed, that it was a fake. Mm -hmm. um, it was just that people were being intimidated into not speaking up about it. Right. Um, that's why it took so long for that in yeah. information to leak. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that frightens me that, like, people will work in a sort of cult-like atmosphere mm -hmm. and put up with it for a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. Um and, and I really feel for these people because, like, everybody wants to have a job where they feel like they're doing something important. But yeah. if it's a cult-like atmosphere, what are you doing? Just get out of there, you know? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, yeah, wow, there is a big subject we can get on about that. Uh, but, I mean, essentially, like, d does does this gal deserve some kind of uh, 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 punishment? I don't even like the use of that term. I, I just don't think this is going to do anything. She the, needs rehabilitation. Yes, there. There you go. <laughs> yes. She needs mental help. That's she what does. she needs. She does, yeah. Um, and as far as everybody else, you know, everybody else getting screwed out of it. <sighs> yeah, she, she owes people money, for sure. Yeah. But there's yeah. no way that she's going to make it back unless she gets those movie deals. Yeah, and maybe, maybe they'll ask for that. But, I mean, then we, you know, boy, we could even get into FTX around all that, but whatever. So, anyway... Uh, just this cut is, your losses yeah, with this lady. Yeah, this is so complex. I see no reason to really ever talk about her again. No mm -hmm. one's ever going to believe a single goddamn thing she ever does ever again. Yeah, um, I mean, rightly so. Yeah, like this is just, this is that closure that I was talking about at the beginning of the episode. Like this is over, you know, and I'm not even saying that it's an ending that, that has me satisfied or should have anyone satisfied. Uh, quite the opposite, but also it's an ending that's not ultimately going to help her, you know, or even ultimately punish her not really um so no, but i think the punishment comes on its own you know once people have discredited her enough eventually she's just going to fade into obscurity yeah yeah or infamy yeah maybe she'll become the pope i don't know <laughs> so, anyway let's move on uh, to some other stories we have in the oh man do i want to get into this all right we'll, we'll be quick with this one 
Okay. We, we have some other stories for the for the foreplay here, and, and I'll be fast. Maybe there's another one I'll cut out that I was going to talk about. No, no, we can be fast with that one too. All right, here we go. So today, out of nowhere, in fact, Rob sent me this. Uh, and of course, Rob and I, we do TIE Fighter Renegades. We're Star Wars heavies, and this is news that would certainly speak to us. But this, this speaks more be- than just Star Wars, more than just Disney. And yes, we're talking about Disney. What is the story? Bob Iger named Disney CEO in shocking development. And I mean, this happened today. November 21st and it's weird because the guy who he was replacing uh, or who replaced him in 2020 when Bob Iger stepped out uh, just got rehired for another three or just got recontracted for another three years and then out of nowhere today he's gone he's out Uh, uh, Chappick there Bob Chappick or whatever his name was Um, Bob Iger's just back in wow so we don't know what happened no we have no idea we have no idea. Like, Bob Iger was was enjoying retirement, and he's back. Now, the reason I am bringing this up is because we discussed this in a previous Sovereign Tech a couple of years ago, that during the, uh, the pandemic, suddenly there were a ton of CEOs who were all walking away from their positions. You know, and CEOs who were incredibly successful, it's not like they were bad at their job, um, and they were all going away. But now, I, I mean, Bob Iger's back. Like... And he was kind of the one that, that I think for a lot of people, they were like, wait a minute, why is he leaving? There is no reason for him to leave. Um, so this is odd. And, you know, when, when Rob shared it with me, I'll just say this, you know, like my first response was, was like, oh, so is the apocalypse called off? Because he doesn't have to go <laughs> run to the bunker, you know, like he can actually go back to work. Yeah, uh, the pandemic's over, haven't uh, you heard? Yeah. <laughs> right. So... <laughs> uh, this is this is I'm, this is weird. This is really shocking. Um, admittedly, I'm a little worried about Star Wars now because I got to tell you, with Andor, I mean, you've been watching Andor, Ellen. Like you've, you've been watching it with Rob and I. This is like the best show on TV. Yeah, it's pretty freaking great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess to some degree, you know, because Rob's reaction was, "Are you ready for Star Wars to suck again?" And I'm like, "Oh no, what what's going on?" And this is what he shared with me. Um, but Andor was actually, I think Bob Iger got that in order. Like he made, you know, he essentially said, yeah, let, let's green light this and let, let's do this. Uh, yeah, I don't know what to make of this and how it's going to relate to Star Wars and Marvel and everything else. I know Marvel's in some kind of, is in trouble, certainly in Black Panther, apparently is a shit show, uh, or the new Black Panther film, even though I love the first one. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, maybe the apocalypse, I, I bring this up more so, not to talk about the Star Wars angle of it, but really just to say that, uh, yeah, I mean, if Bob Iger's not running off to the bunker, I don't know, maybe we got a little time, <laughs> a little extra time, <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, but yeah, but Andor, t- tell me what you love about Andor. Do, do you want to you wanna get in that for a second? Oh yeah, sure. I, I love a lot of things about it. Um, I love how real and like gritty it feels. Mm-hmm. And there's some really great characters in it. I mean, the character of Andor himself, uh, he's all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, it like the world is so real and so big, and um, yeah, there's just all of these interesting threads that are being tied together in interesting yeah. ways. Um, there's there's a lot of like dark aspects of it too, like the rebellion rising up and. You know, it's like tearing people's souls apart to be part of it, but they feel morally obligated to, to, like, save the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, so so there's that interesting perspective. Um, I also really love 
that you get to see the world from so many different people's point of view. It's not just characters that are included in the story. Like, they are making their own stories. Yes. Um, and, and that's both on the side of the Empire and of the Rebellion and even of people that are, like, somewhere in between. Right. So, um, you know, there's some really uplifting moments. There's some really crushing moments. But all in all, I just think it's it's really, really cool. And, like, there's yes. always one-liners that we come oh. away with. That oh. are so... Like the in the last episode that we watched, what what was it? Power doesn't panic. That's, that's add that make that number five on my list of like the three of, of the most powerful three word sentences. Just deconstruct that one, man. There's so much in there. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, but you know what I love you. You just completely prove my point. Everybody has always asked me, Brian, what is the big deal about fucking Star Wars? You know, like, like, real, like, oh, you know, the Ewok. There's this. There's this. What, what, what is Star? What, why does Star Wars? You know, what, what is its magic? Like, what, what's the big deal for? You? And, and, and I've brought this up on on Sovereign Tech over the years many times, where I said, yeah, I really had to think about that because it's like, oh yeah, no, that is kind of dumb. Yeah, that's dumb too, and that's dumb, <laughs> you know. But then I said, you know what makes Star Wars special? It's the cool factor. The worlds are so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. But you you use the word with no prompt. You said it's cool. And that's it. Like that, that. That's when you know you've got great Star Wars. It has to be cool. Disney doesn't always understand that. Um, that. That you've got to have that cool factor. Like, why is the Mandalorian great? Yeah, sure, there's Grogu, right? But really, it comes down to, man, those Mandalorians look fucking cool, man. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's just people go about performing their missions or whatever right. they're doing with such confidence right. and and skill. It, you know, they're really competent in what they're doing, even if it's something that's shady. Yeah. Even if it's something that's dangerous, you know, yeah. it's 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 just I think that is part of what makes it so cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and why did the sequel trilogy suck? Because it wasn't cool. Like, <laughs> like there's just nothing cool about it, you know, uh, not really. Um, but and then sometimes you get surprised by like awesome technology or yeah. huge huge structures. You know. Oh, don't, yeah, don't give it away. Don't give away the awesome technology. <laughs> no, no. I, that's all you. That's all well, you I, I, I won't do it, but <laughs> man. Well, anyway, yeah, we've only got one episode left of this show. Uh, and they'd be hard-pressed to fuck it up. Like, you'd, you'd really have to do a terrible episode uh, to to make this show fail. But I, I think it's probably the best Star Wars series to date, in my opinion. Like, it, it's so good. Uh, my only disappointment is there aren't more episodes. You know, like, oh, I feel like there's so much story yet to sew up. But we know we're getting a season two. So, whatever. We'll we'll get to that. And, you know, is Bob Iger going to somehow screw it up when he gets in again? I, I don't know. But, anyway. <laughs> Can I just say one please. more thing? Yeah, please. Um, I, I said everybody does their thing so competently. There is one exception. And that is, what is it, the ISB agent? The, the blonde? The lead? Um, no, I'm sorry. It's not ISB. It's oh, the, the guy, guy with who the works sector. with the corporate security yeah, agency. Corporate security, yeah. yeah, Yeah, they are blundering buffoons. Yeah. <laughs> and he's so good at it. Yeah, yeah, it makes a great laughing moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, it's a very funny show. There's but you're just right. something there for everyone. Yeah, but the, I mean, the, 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 the quotability. And that's something I've, that's always a special sauce for me, is quotability mm-hmm. of something. Like, can I walk away from it either humming the music or quotability? The music's good in this, too. I don't know if there's anything really thematic, but 
But I mean, but the quotability is, is top notch. It's excellent. Yeah, yeah. it's top notch in this. Uh, so anyway, folks, if you've heard it here from more than just me. Like, like you, this is a show to watch. Um, okay, so we'll wrap up the foreplay very quickly with we now have, uh, according to the uh, <laughs> general con- 27th General Conference on Weights and Measures, we now have uh, new prefixes for the International System of Units. For the, which is, of course, the metric system. Which I am a huge proponent of. Yes. Metric all the way. Yes. Actually, well, you know, you're the editor. I'm sure you notice this. Um, I've been specifically in the Silkverse stories that I've been writing. Everything is metric. Uh, oh, I, I guess I overlooked that. I mean, yeah. it's only been two stories. That's right. Yeah, everything's metric, 24-hour clocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of things that I am implementing in that. You're going to, like, stuff I've talked about for years on Sovereign Tech. Uh, duodecimal math. Um, all kinds of things. Anyway, they're, they're, you know, the Holocene car- calendar, all that stuff. I, I, so, But that's another conversation for another time. So, yes, the metric system. We're big fans here. We love it. Uh, and now we have, let's see, we have the Rona. So that's 27 zeros after the first digit. We have the Queta, which is 30 zeros after the first digit, um, which are now on, or they're at the top of the measurement range. And now we also have the Ronto, which is 27 zeros after the decimal point, and the quecto, which is 30 zeros after the decimal point, which are now at the bottom. Previously, you had the yoda, which was at, that's Y-O-T-T-A, which was 24 zeros um, after the first digits. And what was the counterpart to that? The pico? The pico? (laughs) I don't know if there's anything smaller than pico. Yeah. I'm sure there is, but... I'm not familiar with it. The angstrom, I suppose. There, sure. There is a, a lower limit to how small you can go. Yeah. Um, but as far as going upwards, I'm just curious, why are they creating these new, um, you know, th- these new prefixes and suffixes? Like, what possibly could be that big or that small? There's only one thing. The universe it, itself? No, no, no. Well, yes, but... So it's funny that when they put this out there, that the examples they gave was, say, the Earth's uh, mass can be can be said to be six ronograms now. Okay, so they gave these examples of like the Earth and the Sun, but we don't, we don't need that to, to describe the Earth and the Sun. There's only one thing that needs this much, and that's data. Data is the singular thing that is growing at such a rate that you could need this many zeros. Well, I uh, I thought at first the applications seemed pretty obvious for like, you know, stellar physicists or something, mm-hmm. which that is the application that they gave as an example. Yeah, yeah, but I, I think I, me personally, I think it comes down to data. Like data is that one thing where because it's not. I mean, astrophysics hasn't changed in a hundred years. There's no reason they shouldn't have needed these numbers. You know that in the 50s, right? Data is the thing that's different now. So I would argue, I mean, I could look it up and see if they gave a reason or if they got a more in-depth reason at the 27th General Conference on Weights and Measures. Um, but that's my guess. Um, can I just put this out there, though? Yeah, please. That, that, as you can imagine, the, interna- the International Conference of Weights and Measures is made up of a lot of like stuffy old scientists and it's sure. possible that they just did not consider the fact that they could have made a much larger prefix f- 
for number system until now. I mean, maybe they didn't feel they needed it. Like, oh yeah, we'll just count things in like the thousands of megatons or something. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, you raise a good point, but I think it's still... Because, so Google made up their own numbers. Yeah. Like the Bronto Byte or whatever, you know, like they... they, they but Google itself is named after a number. Yes. A so, very huge number. Right. But like the Bronto and whatever else Google made up, never that, that's not official. Like they, they did it because it was necessary for their work. And I, I could believe that the General Conference on Weights and Measures was quite offended that Google thought they could they could make up names. It's like, no, no, jackass. We've been here for 27 conferences. <laughs> we, you don't get to name shit. <laughs> and, and I could just, I could believe that they were offended. So... <laughs> oh, they, so you they, think this was reactionary? I, I could believe that. That's where my theory comes from. You know, oh, interesting. It, 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 that, that, Maybe those stuffy old scientists actually still have a little spark of life in them. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Google's getting raked over the coals in Europe every day, and this is just, you know, one more little little smackdown, you know. It might, <laughs> it might not exactly be, you know, stone cold. Uh, nice. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, whatever the real reason is, I think it's really interesting, and I want to look more into this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, anyway, we will take a break, and we'll come right back with some more Sovereign Tech. Uh, we've got some, well, we have some fascinating stories to talk about, some uh, teases that we need to pay off. Sorry, we'll be, what did you call that? Sovereign Technica? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll start it on the next episode. <laughs> 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 right, Sovereign Technica. We'll be back with more. Woo! Have you had enough of the big-name web hosting services that are long on promises but short on bleeding-edge features, uptime, and customer service? Or are you just looking for a performance boost for your business's online presence? The answer is Agorist Hosting. Agorist Hosting is the agile web host that offers full concierge service from website redesign, full e-commerce solutions, even custom apps for your Shopify store, and more. All with security, reliability, redundancy, and privacy at the forefront. Oh, and those bleeding edge features? How about hosting your data in a decentralized system like IPFS, the interplanetary file system? Good luck getting that from those other guys. Agorist Hosting is ready to take your web presence into the future. Head over to agoristhosting.com to get started. That's A-G-O-R-I-S-T hosting.com. Agoristhosting.com. Story of the Week. Ooh, so, <laughs> normally, when we get past the first hour, I like to calm things down. But uh, this is a very uh, uh, more informal show <laughs> than originally planned. So there's going to be some stories um, that, that we'll be skipping, but that maybe we'll get in in the Sovereign Technica newsletter, which, of course, people can find at Sovereign.substack.com. Um, in fact, did you... Well, okay, one of the ones I was going to talk about was about Artemis One going to the moon and that nasa is now effectively saying oh yeah we're gonna have people living on the moon in this decade you know in the 2020s people are gonna end up living on the moon do you think wow. that's gonna happen ellen no 
<laughs> right. I guess I could give a long explanation as to why, but simply no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I'll save the story. Maybe I'll get into it in the Sovereign Technica newsletter. Uh, and, yeah, I don't think so either. I don't think that's going to happen, you know, at all. And the Artemis one is automated anyway. Um, but people can read up more on that. But, we'll, you know, we can certainly give our take because we have multiple venues within which to reach people. We have... The Sovereign Technica Patreon, we have the Sovereign Technica Newsletter, and we have the Sovereign Technica Show. Now, this story that I want to get into for the main story of the week is one I've wanted to cover with you on the show for months, uh, or at least a couple months. In fact, this story in particular is coming from August 15th, 2022, so almost two months ago to the day. Happy birthday, uh, me. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, well, that too. Yeah, or Well, that was... It was close to my birthday. Close, close. So you covered this in the newsletter, correct? Yep, I did. Yeah, uh, and but I think this is just such an important story to get out there, and sadly, because it's so fucking depressing, um, that I don't just want it to sit in one place. There's times where there's things that have to get put out on every venue you've got, and this is one of them. Um, it's very important, so please, shut up and listen. <laughs> Not like we can hear you talking over us anyway, even though I know that happens a lot with people. Um, I've, anyway, I won't get into those stories. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so I am linking to the story from WebMD, of all things. Um, but, you know, I, I wanted something that's a little, little bit more neutral territory. Little bit, little bit. I'm sure there's some people who would say, WebMD on another fucking state. You know, I don't know, but... Anyway. So what's the story? Story is, rainwater unsafe to drink amid forever chemicals, study says. Uh, and this is written by Carolyn Christ. Um, here we go. It's unsafe to drink rainwater due to the ongoing presence of, quote, forever chemicals, end quote, according to a new study published in the journal Environmental Science and Technology. Researchers found major environmental contamination of uh, per and... Boy, Ellen, are you going to help me out with this one? Poly fuck it all? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's polyfluoroalkyl substances. Right, or PFAS, I like that. Which are human-made chemicals used in numerous products, such as food, packaging, and waterproof clothing. Uh, the chemicals can spread in the atmosphere and are now found across the globe, including in rainwater, snow, and even human blood. PFAS are called forever chemicals because they can last for thousands of years. Various health uh, complications have been linked to PFS, PFAS contamination, including cancer, infertility, pregnancy complications, learning and behavior problems in children, immune system issues, and higher cholesterol, the researchers wrote. During the last 20 years, countries have decreased their recommended limits for PFAS in drinking water, surface water, and soil due to new insights about their toxic nature. The researchers wrote, as a result, the levels in the environment are now higher than the recommended guidelines. Quote, based on the latest U.S. guidelines for, PF, or for PFAS acid, we'll say that, in drinking water, rainwater everywhere would be judged unsafe to drink, end quote. Ian Cousins, Ph.D., the lead study author and a professor of environmental science at Stockholm University, said in a statement, quote, although in the industrial world we don't often drink rainwater, many people around the world expect it to be safe to drink, and it supplies many of our drinking water sources, end quote, he said. So, 
Anyway, I don't think we need to read further. There's quite a bit more here. Link us in the show notes if people want to actually go and directly read the research and the study. Um, I am aware that there is some controversy around this study, as in there are people who's, who say, no, that's bullshit. Um, but their arguments seem to just be that. No, that's bullshit. And like, with no substantive actual argument against it. Uh, but this is goddamn depressing. I mean, I agree. Yeah, we don't think about it. Or, like, okay, sure, we don't really drink rainwater much anymore. Or at least most people don't, I suppose. But then also, yeah, I do walk around. I mean, I don't know, me, if I'm caught in the middle of a rainy day, I always kind of, you know, cock my head back and, and drink a little bit of it. Because I like to think I'm taking in a more pure nature of things. I know rainwater's not necessarily great to drink anyway, just due to, you know... Other effects of civilization. Exactly. Like sulfuric acid. Right. And that's not, I mean, we could even get into, yeah, like acid rain, right? And I mean, certainly in China, this has already been the case for, I don't know, 30 years or longer. Uh, but break it down for me, Ellen. I mean. Yeah, this was just a matter of time. I mean, PFAS are generally used in um, materials that are meant to be long lasting, mm -hmm. you know, like paints, carpeting, you know, things that are artificial, but are meant to last for a very long time and be durable and water resistant and and s sticky mm -hmm. um, but <sighs> industry again just didn't see the warning signs never slowed down kept going and now it's in literally every drop of rainwater and to think that like oh i don't drink rainwater you know i don't like run around like a child with my mouth open every time it rains and drink the rainwater like yeah, that's the easy thing to do, but that's also a very small picture, because where's that rainwater going? It's going downhill, it's collecting into larger rivers, and right. ultimately going to the ocean. And also, like, plenty of people drink water from well water. Yes. Um, you know, if you are, like, camping, say, and you scoop up some water out of a lake or whatever and boil that and drink it, like, that's not going to destroy the PFAS. Yeah. Um, so these things are going into every water supply. They're going into the ground, you know, right. they're, go they're like on your skin, you know, they're in the food that you eat. That's how it gets into your bloodstream. Yeah. These things are persistent. They, <laughs> they last for thousands of years. Right. Um, so this is just a very scary fact to know. And it's one that's important to know because you can at least take some steps to prevent it. Um, for example, there are water filters out there, which I also talked about in the newsletter. Um, like the water filter that we have is mm -hmm. the, the Pro One. I think it's the Traveler or something like that. But that can filter out PFAS. Right. Along with hundreds of other chemicals. Um, but that's only a short-term solution, you know, because we're not always going to be drinking water out of that. Or even the filters themselves are... S somewhat wasteful yeah and well you know and, and and so here the person can come in and like be see we solved it <laughs> we solved it we made filters that 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 solved the whole issue you know and and then they come out and they say well i don't drink rainwater anyway and okay i just won't you know i won't drink the rainwater or whatever and and i just you know when i hear that especially like well i don't drink rainwater anyway who cares like i just i kind of want to you know grab them by the shoulders you know and just just hold them very still, maybe shake them just a little bit and say, I am so sorry 
that civilization, that society, has beaten childlike wonder out of you so much that you don't take the simple pleasure of drinking water coming down from the sky. <laughs> I'm sorry that society did this to you. You know, that's, that's, and... <laughs> like, that's, like, that's, to say, well, I don't drink it anyway. That's not a fucking answer. That's not a response. You know, like, that, that's... Yeah, because, like, what about all the animals that are forced to drink it? Well, who cares? <laughs> we'll make lab-grown animals. We'll make lab-grown meat. We'll make lab-grown fucking chickens, right? Yeah, if this is causing us infertility, what is it doing to, like, uh -huh. birds and deer right. and fish and right. everything else? It's fine. We'll find another Earth. That's okay. We haven't found a single goddamn one yet, but we'll find one. Don't worry about it. Wreck it. Well, as long as cows and chickens survive, I guess we're going to be okay, right? Oh. People can keep on living their fat lives. <laughs> but the yeah. thing is, like, like the microplastics, yeah. this stuff ends up in every area of the food chain, including in fruits and vegetables. Right. And there's nothing we can do about it. Like, right. nothing. Right. We just have to live with this abomination. I've been saying that word a lot lately. That's okay, because it all is. <laughs> say it with me. Abomination. Abomination. Wait, wait, no, no, say it, say it. Hugbees. 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 Yeah. <laughs> okay, see, we feel better now. We said hugbees. All right, so all right. the world is a dystopia. All we can do is be silly and enjoy it. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess that's it. Maybe that's why Twitter and everything else, you know, is are, are the hell sites, right? Because... Like it's, because I, I complain about this all the time. Everybody, we were even at, we were at like, a, we were at a party or a gathering. We were at a gathering, you and I. And I'm just like, what, does everybody think everything's just such a fucking laugh? Like, it seems like today, so many people, like, nothing is serious anymore. Nothing. And, you know, I don't mind comedy. I love comedy. Huge fan of comedy. I like comedy that punches up and is trying to make a point. Not comedy that's just like, oh, yeah, everything's fucking depressing. Let's laugh about it. You know? Like, that's the comedy that I hate. And it feels like so many people today, that's all they do, is everything's just a fucking laugh. You yeah. Know? And I get it. Like, they'd rather laugh than cry. But, man, you can laugh and still rip the shit, you know, out of people in Washington, out of corporatism, out of take your pick, out of Russia, out of Ukraine, out of everybody. You know, like, I, I don't care. You know? Anyway. So you don't like it when people laugh out of helplessness. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cuz you know what that you know what those jokes are and that laugh is, it's a fucking white flag. You know, and and man that nothing drives me more nuts than seeing people just fucking give up. I man. You've got all the ability in the world. You've got all the information at your fingertips. You have all of this power. Everyone walks around with so much power. But you're yeah. eating PFAS every day, yeah. and you're drinking it. So yeah. what do you do about that, Brian, with your seltzer water? Woo! <laughs> Aluminum can. This is this is renewable. What do you think's <laughs> in the paint, though, in the ink? Yeah, right. Yeah, what do you do? Well, you can educate people anyway. I mean, yes, like there's things that we, you know... There are certain things we have to live with for now, right? But we can certainly... What do you got? Yeah, I'm, I'm just listening. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there's things, you know, that we, that we have to, to live with for now. But at the same time, you know, we can educate people. And eventually, yeah, you, you can get to the point where you stop putting, you know, your money into it. I mean, 
it, that's it's such a big that's such a big question. Yeah. You know, and the the problem is like here. So so here's the thing. Like earlier, we're talking about yeah, we want to get away from civilization. You know, whatever. Not be reliant upon the system and all this stuff. Now, in a minute, we're going to talk about video games, and people could easily levy, you know, at us. It's like, well, you know, without all this technology and all this stuff, you wouldn't have video games. Now, that, that's kind of a fallacious argument, but let's just say I, I give you that, okay? Then let me tell you what video games are. They are simply a salve <laughs> for for the shit that we have to put up with. You know, in, you know, within civilization as it is, you know, like, why the hell am I drinking four or five cups of coffee a day? That's fucking nuts. Because you, know? you love your liver. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> I love antioxidants, baby. <laughs> it's because I, like, I literally need that to get through a work day, you know, because like, because the demands upon me are so fucking high, you know, that like. That like I have to be on that much. Now, what's the real problem there? The real problem is work. Why am I working so goddamn hard? Because you know we live in a civilization that is well. We live in a civilization where the money goes to the people who are going to fucking jail for being fraudsters, like Elizabeth Holmes, and not going to people who are trying to make an honest goddamn living, and who don't ask for much at all in life. You know, and. It's yeah, so, we just want to be left alone. Yeah, I just really, I just want to be left alone. <laughs> you can leave me alone. Give me like 20 books. Some paper. You know, or I can write shit down. And let me fuck, and I'll be fine. You know, you don't even have to listen to me. I'll live miles away, so you don't have to hear how loud we fuck. Like, I, I it, it's okay. You know, <laughs> I, I'm really not asking for much in life. <laughs> you know, I know that, that the best things in life are absolutely, truly free. Um, and, but no, you got to do this and you got to do that. And you get, no. So I know a lot of people made fun of Greta Thunberg. Yeah. But I think she's absolutely right on in her outrage at people like ruining the world for Mm -hmm. the next generation Mm -hmm. for us, you know? Sure. Yeah. No, no. I, I, I think I, I might've even said this. I was like, yeah, I know everybody's making fun of her, but you know, when she says, how dare you? Yeah, fucking right. How dare you? You know, like, like, put, make it, make the world so that, what, so you can have waterproof clothing, which, hey, I like waterproof stuff, but so that you can have waterproof clothing and, and, but make the world into a place where you can't even drink the fucking rainwater. Like, <laughs> yeah, goodbye childhood memories. I mean, there's, a, that's just like, the, you can't enjoy nature anymore. Right. Because right. nature's been so contaminated. Yeah. I mean, if that's not dystopian, I don't know what is. Yeah. Well, and I, I could make I could make some even bolder statements, but I'm for once in this episode, anyway, <laughs> I am going to exercise restraint. <laughs> You're going to bite your tongue and move on. Yeah. But here it is, folks. If you disagree with the research, go ahead and disagree. If you want to email me about it and say. Brian, no, this is dead wrong. Here is the antithesis research. Here's this, blah, 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 blah. Q22 at nwo.red. That's the email address. Q22 at nwo.red. You can let me know. You can tell me the whole goddamn story. Okay? And I'll even read it on the air, whether I agree or disagree. So go for it. Um, But yeah, this sucks. (laughs) 
Do you have anything you want to end? You want to end off no, with? No, it's it's pretty low, low point in life right now. You know, when yeah. I when I read that research, because like this is what what I was talking about earlier in the episode. This is something that we can't come back from unless everything halts. Like, right. no more nonstick coatings. Just stop. Right. Like, right now, this very second. All right, what are we going to do about the PFAS that are already existing in our ecosystem? Yeah, it's like, okay, well, we have to wait a thousand years. All right, well, at least it's a thousand and not 10,000. Great. You know? <laughs> yeah. Is there anything we can do to speed along that process? Yeah. I mean, maybe we should be focusing our efforts on that while simultaneously not fucking up some other aspect of the ecosystem. Right. I mean, right. that's just something that people have not considered at all over the last few well, hundred years, and they really need to if they want to survive. Like, we're part of an ecosystem. We don't exist above it. Yeah, right. Spaceship Earth. Um, I, I don't know, and I really want someone to explain this to me. I don't understand. I don't get, like, what is the problem with degrowth? Look, have your market, have your capitalism, or have your communism, or whatever bullshit 19th century ideology that you think somehow still applies to civilization, okay? Whatever the fuck you want to think, you know, whether you want to be Rothbard, Marx, whatever, I don't care. I mean, throw it all away and should read Sterner anyway, but whatever. Okay, fine. Have all that. None of that is, like, n none of that uh, uh, does... How am I trying to put this? What is the problem with degrowth? Like, why do we have to be constantly growing? Why do you have to, you know, like, why, why can't there be zero, not just degrowth or even just zero growth? Like, why can't we just say, yeah, all right, we got it pretty good. Let's sit back and collect the interest. Like, what, what is the argument that we have to constantly be growing, 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 growing? GDP's got to get constantly higher, higher, higher. Like, what is that argument? I've never heard from anybody what the actual argument was of why this, why the machine just can't take a break. Honestly, I think it's just more people wanting to have their share of the riches. Like, you know, there's always more people being born yeah. and upcoming, and they want to create wealth for themselves. And not just... And, and there's also, of course, if some people on this planet that are just never satisfied and are addicted to the game. Well, right. See, now that's the problem is you have, you know, your top 1% that are like the drivers of all of this. And like, why? Like, why do you keep driving? What do you not have enough? Like, what, 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 what's, what's the play? What's the point here? What's the the point is the play? Yeah, well, may, right, maybe, maybe it is. Yeah, right. Love of the game, as as they say. Like again, fine. Have your capitalism. Have whatever stupid system you know, communism, whatever. All stupid. Have have whatever you want. Okay, but like those things can still exist in a period of degrowth. Why can't we go through that? Like, why can't we scale this shit back? And anyway, that, okay, I'm being incredibly oversimplistic. No, I mean what I say about these things being stupid, but I'm being incredibly oversimplistic as far as what does degrowth mean? And we don't have the time to get into all of that now. I'm just saying, like, why do we have to continue on this present trajectory, whether there's government or not? I don't get it. So anyway, <laughs> just bring a filter with you folks when you go outside. We'll be back with more <laughs> Sovereign Technica. Woo! Science! Outer space. Psychology. 
book and movie recommendations. Fiction from the Sovereign Universe. Travels to points of mystery and the unexplained. And even spirituality? All of that can only mean one thing. The Sovereign Technica Newsletter. By me, Ellen Sovereign. Along with some stuff by that crazy man I call my husband, Dr. Brian Sovereign. It's the latest tool in your self-directed education. The education that really matters. If you want to cut through the crap of mainstream media ass clowns, sign up for the Sovereign Technica newsletter right now at sovereign.substack.com. That's S-O-V-R-Y-N The Sovereign Technica newsletter. Welcome to the future. Album of the week. All right, now we're maybe at the point where we can have some fun. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we were going to talk video games, but again, these conversations that we're having—I mean, they're fantastic. Uh, I love having you on, Ellen. Like, it's been way too long since you've been on the show. I agree. Yes, I love being on, and I—I I think the listeners feel the same way. And of course, they can let us know. Q twenty two at nwo dot red. But we were going to talk video games, you know. But but I think we got to cut out some segments here, <laughs> you know, just so we can so we can uh, fit within uh, our general two hour timeline. You know, most of the times that you've been on, like we usually would go, they would be the longest episodes ever, and they would yeah. go into like three hours. <laughs> All right, can we just give honorable mentions to the? Yeah, games? we can give honorable mentions. So what do you what have you been playing lately? What, what's uh, been your main? All thing? I've really been playing lately is Animal Crossing, New Horizons, New Horizons on yeah. the Switch. Yeah. And it's, part of the reason I love it is, um, it's like, I guess it's peaceful and relaxing. Um, it's just a video game where I can, like, create my own world, and it's not violent. And I, Isn't that I nice? really like that. Yeah, it's a pleasant change. Yeah, you know, I gotta say, like, Nintendo was honestly fucking brilliant. Uh, or, I mean, it was just fortuitousness. They weren't brilliant. I mean, they're brilliant in what they make, no doubt about it. But It's so cute. It's really yeah. adorable. But the fact that that game came out in March of 2020 was... Kind of perfect. Yep, because I, I think that saved a lot of people's sanity during a, a you know dark couple of years um, for people. And it, it is. It's a, it's a beautiful game. I've played previous Animal Crossings, and, you know, they're, they're just... They're, they're unique. you got to be into that sort of thing. You know, and not everybody's into that sort of thing, but uh, it's it's. I'm always looking up at the screen when you're playing, and I'm just like, "Oh, that's cute." Yeah, <laughs> everything about it is just cute. <laughs> Something about this game just perfectly fits the definition of kawaii. Like, it's so mm-hmm. adorable, so sweet. Like, it's even funny. Like, yeah. some of the characters, you just talk to them, and it's like. Oh, I slept in this morning so I could give the bugs that live on my floor some extra quiet time. Yeah. It's like, that's so sweet and nice, <laughs> but also really funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, 
Yeah, so I've been playing something that's kind of cute and funny too, as well. Uh, of course, the new Pokemon came out, Scarlet and Violet. I've been playing Scarlet particularly. Um, I talked about, I gave a bit of a preview review of a type because um, I haven't spent a ton of hours with it yet. I've spent some. Um, I mean, the game's only been out a few days, not even. Uh, on the, the Patreon-only Sovereign Tech uh, Wednesday Q&A, and I love it. I mean, it, it's amazing. Um, you know, that, that Pokemon magic has never really gone away. I mean, some people would argue that it's gotten a little stale here and there, um, but I, I, I think these games are just just brilliant with what they do. Um that's my next Pokemon game, the the Violet. You're gonna rock Violet. Yeah, yeah. I have to play it now. That'd be cool. We could exchange. We could. Yeah, we can trade Pokemon. We, trade we can Pokemon. battle Pokemon. Do some evolving. Yeah, yeah. We can have some Smackdowns. Well, one of your favorite games of all time was uh, Coliseum Two, wasn't it? Um, I I like Pokemon Stadium. Or Stadium. I'm sorry, yeah, not Coliseum. From N64. Yeah. Right. Um, I also really loved the Game Boy Pokemon games. I know also, that was those a while are still ago. the best. Crystal, yeah. I think, is still probably my favorite uh, uh, Pokemon game ever. Um, and I mean, I've been playing them since Blue and Red, so mm-hmm. you know, I've been there. Uh, they got me right at the right time when I was like sixteen. But yeah. Um, well, anyway, there, there's our brief mentions of games. We were just going to talk about you know what we love about these games and all that, but we're getting them in, saying yeah, this is what we're rocking, and you are welcome to check them out. In both the highest recommendations, though. I mean, Animal Crossing's just. Both of these franchises are just cultural phenomenons. So, you know, they didn't really need us to, to say it, but, you know, if you thought that you'd be wasting your time uh, playing Animal Crossing or Pokemon, we're here to tell you, no, not really. And it's better than drinking the rainwater. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's get into our actual our albums of the week. And, Ellen, I know you've got a doozy. To, to, oh, to bring it's a up. doozy. It's a doozy. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, lay, don't lay, you betcha. You betcha. <laughs> you betcha. Uh, lay, lay it on me, Michigan woman. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you betcha. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, so what's your pick for album of the week? Uh, so my pick for album of the week um, is an album that actually came out, I want to say, like two weeks ago. Um, but he's been releasing... A couple singles here and there over the last few months um, for this album and the album that I'm talking about is none other than Devin Townsend's light work and bonus tracks night work yeah it's two disc mm-hmm. yep. uh, album yep by Devin yep. Townsend yep. and just came out like a couple weeks ago oh yeah yeah, yeah even it though he's been releasing recent. singles like you said yeah, yeah. Um, so the first single that he released was moon people mm-hmm. which when I first listened to that I was like this is very different from everything else, which when you say that about Devin Townsend, it's all relative because everything that he makes is very different from the other. Yes, he is a very prolific and unique, like, yeah, but he has a sound. Go ahead. The, the one unifying theme about him is just his incredible amount of talent mm-hmm. and insightfulness. Um, and I, I think that he's somebody who really makes art for its own sake and doesn't really care about the money aspect of it, which is so rare, and that's what makes the music really special. Yeah. Um, because it's not commercial at all. Well, he's one of those guys who, like Dream Theater and like Iron Maiden and some other bands and other, or other musicians, where they have built up that audience, that core audience, that will buy anything they do. 
Yeah. Know? I mean, he, I think everything he does is worth buying at the same time. So Me that's too. That's also true for yeah. Iron Maiden. That's also true for Dream Theater, for fuck sure. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> so... Yeah, but, but usually when you buy their stuff, you kind of know what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. But with this, it was, like, different from everything else. And there's long stories behind this. Like, he's done whole documentaries talking about why he made this album or previous albums. But basically, this was a response to the stress and horror that was the pandemic. And he already did this with, like, the puzzle and snuggles, but this is a more, um, like, traditional like songwriting technique that he followed in this album and he actually hired a producer that worked with some previously really famous bands um do you recall a name it's okay if you don't know no i could i could look it up but i don't remember off the top of my head i just know that it was somebody that that worked with really big bands and he's always said like i love wasp i love van halen but yeah (laughs) especially wasp yeah but he um he never follows, like, traditional songwriting rules. He always goes off on these weird tangents. But in this album, he did really stick to the rules. Except for, like, a couple songs, he went a little off the rails. But, like, in the most awesome and righteous way possible. Yeah, I feel like this is prob- probably his most eclectic work that I can think of in one album. Like, where... I don't know. There's, I, I felt like there was. A, I'm, or, wait, eclectic is not what I'm looking for. This is his most accessible. This is what I meant to say. Accessible work. Like, if you've never listened to Devin Townsend, like th- some of this stuff is 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 top forty radio ready. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's rare for him. And know? it's the product of him working with that producer. Yeah. Normally he yeah, produces yeah. all of his own stuff. But yeah. Um, like the first ep- or the first. Um, The first album that I ever listened to of his was Empath, and from that I was like, all right, I'm all in. I need to know more. Um, But this is really just like, yeah, it's it's great. It's Mm -hmm. really good. But like you said, it is different for him. And still really talented. Um, some, Some really, really awesome songs on there. But yeah, there are a couple that are, that sound more like pop music yeah. would. Yeah, I mean, almost like, I, I felt like some of it almost felt like Depeche Mode. Uh, yeah, I think you also said Muse. Yeah, oh point. yeah, actually yeah. there were a couple songs that really sounded like Muse. I was like, wow, man, like, did you get Matt Bellamy in there? <laughs> like, how'd that go? But anyway, yeah, I think it's brilliant. I think it's a phenomenal album. Easily top five for 2022, in my opinion. Um, so, should we should we shift Shift on to mine? Yeah, you, I know you have an album you want to bring yeah, up Yeah, I'll, I'll do an album of the week as well. Uh, and this is actually, this album is done by one of Devin Townsend's best friends. Uh, in fact, the guy, the very person who inspired him to do the album Empath. Um, well, maybe goaded him on is a better yeah, word. Yeah, goaded him on about it, yeah. And that is none other than Chad Kroger. And of course, when we're talking about Chad Kroger, we're talking about Nickelback. Woo! And uh, and I say that with all seriousness. I am that guy who likes Creed, who likes Nickelback, um, because someone out there likes these guys. They still sell, pl- you know, multi-platinum albums or diamond albums, you know. But then everybody says there sucks. Wait, well then who the fuck's buying their music? Like, what are you talking about? You know. Anyway, um, yeah, Devin Townsend's one of like I was saying earlier. He's one of those guys who he has that core fan base that'll just buy whatever he does now. You know. And so he can do whatever he wants. 
Right. Yeah, well, there's a lot of his fans that don't like what he does, too, when he takes weird directions. Yeah, sure, sure. But there's still... He's got... He has his heavies. There's some are, people. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was saying. Like, Dream Theater has those. You know, uh, Iron Maiden has has that kind of crowd as well, where they can basically do whatever they want. And is, because that's the thing. If you have, you know, 10,000 or 100,000 people that'll buy anything you sell for a thousand bucks, you're living a very comfortable life, right? And and I like that. I like that because then the artist gets to, like, he's not wor- he or she or Z is not worried about making a living because they know what they put out, like, so they can experiment. They can do wild shit, right? Uh, now, Nickelback, on the other hand, is in the position where I don't think that they have that hardcore fan base. I mean, I'm a part of it. You know, like I'm, I'm dying for whatever they're going to put out, uh, and I'm trying not to get into a defensive diatribe around Nickelback because it's so easy to fall into that. I'm because, not attacking you. Well, I know, but everybody else apparently does, and like, I just tell us about how awesome this I new know, album I know. is. I'm just saying, like, I, 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 what, I have. This is what I wrestle with myself all the time because I know that I can't help it that people are tasteless hacks. Like, there's nothing that I can do about that, you know? And so, no, I'm gonna, I'm All gonna. you can do is tell us about how great right. their new yeah. album is. Okay, so, now, while you earlier I used the word eclectic, this is really where I wanted to put that word, because this new album by Nickelback, Get Rolling, just came out this week. This is an eclectic piece of work. Uh, like, a lot of Nickelback, I mean, and there's certainly songs here that fit with Nickelback's, like, kind of traditional sound, and I love them. They're great. They're the first two tracks, actually, on the entire album. Uh, San Quentin and Skinny Little Missy. Phenomenal. Those two tracks alone are worth the whole fucking album, you know, to be there. Third track, third track kind of sucks. Third track is, like, Photograph. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we listened yeah. to it. And I was like, you can skip this now. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fucking... It's a nostalgia song. Nostalgia trip, and I hate that shit. Just like, yeah, I don't like the song Photograph either, but then did you listen to the rest of that album? Like, there's really hard shit on it. That's amazing. Um, Anyway, this album, like, I I really think they tried a lot of different musical styles in this. It's it's a really eclectic mix. Uh, Yeah, when we were listening to it, I was like, this almost sounds kind of like a sort of, like, country rock sound. You know, it it was like... Uh, the, the rhythm of it, you know, it was mm-hmm. like a horse trot in a way, you know, and some yeah. of these songs were really groovy. Like, yeah, it's not heavy rock, but like, I'm grooving to this. Yeah, yeah. Or some of it was really beautiful, where like, our love is like a tidal wave. Oh, you know? yeah. Like, that was the most beautiful Nickelback song I've ever heard. Right, exactly. Like, they've never made a song that was actually about love like that. Yes. It's always been about like sex and drugs and rock and roll. But that yeah. one was like actually truly about love yeah yeah and, and, and you could just feel it in the way right. that the song was written oh so beautiful right so these are guys who they just they got in at the right time to where whatever they put out there you know the industry is behind it and does millions you know they're not like the ones that i think have the core have a core fan base like a dream theater or like a devin townsend or you know like that they're they're just they're just names that are like for whatever reason a part of the machine or they're the pride of Canada. I don't know which it is. But regardless, you know, they they always do really well with the music that they put out there. But then, you know, you ask anybody, hey, did you hear that new Nickelback? And it's crickets or it's like, Nickelback, what the fuck? You know, like I I, I, I really I want 
like 20 Nickelback t-shirts and I wear them all the time and I want to just like shove it in people's faces. You know what I mean? And, and just be like, no, you don't get it. You didn't listen to them. You know, <laughs> like, like forget about what you heard on the radio. Put on, the put on the album and have a good time. Anyway, this is an album you can have a really good time with. This is a fantastic album. Uh, I don't think they're ever going to make an album that touches Dark Horse. That was just a masterpiece. Uh, and like that, that's an album that's a once-in-a-lifetime album. Um, but a couple songs, or I'm, most of the songs on here are really, really solid. Uh, I was very impressed. I, I, def I think it's better than their previous album, Feed the Machine. I do like this one more than that. And I like that they experimented with a lot of different sounds. Uh, Chad Croker's voice can do a lot of different things, um, believe it or not. And, and, I, and I think it really works. So Get Rolling by Nickelback, that's, that's my, uh, my album of the week. Do you have any other, other thoughts, anything you want to say on that? Um, I think his voice has changed over time. But He's gotten older. Yeah, yeah, it's still good. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's just a ton of talent in that band, but nobody gives them the credit. So whatever. Anyway, that's you know what? It's other people's loss. I'm driving around with the most brilliant and hottest woman alive, listening to Nickelback, and I don't know what are you doing. So <laughs> you know, I, but you say that I I wish that Devin Townsend had even half the success that Nickelback does. Oh, I do too. He deserves it. Yeah, he totally does. Yeah. Yeah, I, well, that, that's the thing. And and see that, and I can be just as pissed off in Nickelback about this because they do those nostalgia trip songs because they know that, that that does insane money for them. Because unfortunately, there's a bunch of people who can't actually like look at the future. And so they're just constantly looking backwards, you know, on shit that really wasn't even that great for them in the first place. Because if it was great for them at that time, it'd still be great for them now. And, it, well, anyway, that's and then there's a whole other subset of people that are just waiting to feast on the rotting carcass of that memory and make fun of it. Yeah, you're right. You're like, right. Remember, Photograph was so popular, and then shortly after, like when its popularity started waning, that's when the the amount of like memes and people making fun of it went yeah. it skyrocketed. Yeah, that and Rockstar. It was yeah, those two songs. Ah, oh, yeah, that that was not a cool song after yeah. it played on the radio a thousand times. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear... And, and look, again, folks, I'm with you. Those songs suck. Like, I'm, I'm not even going to argue with you about that. But these are people that have written hundreds of songs beyond that. And let me assure you, those other songs, a lot of them are fucking amazing. Um, so, anyway. There you have it. Uh, uh, light work, right? Lightwork and Nightwork. And Nightwork by Devin Townsend, and then also by Devin Townsend's buddy, Chad Kroger. Uh, Nickelback's uh, uh, Get Rolling. Uh, so check those out, and uh, we'll be right back with some more Sovereign Technica. From Big Finish Productions, Blake 7, the classic audio adventures. I'm taking Liberator in on manual. We'll be in teleport range in two minutes. What the hell was that? Information. Liberator has been attacked. You don't say. Put up the force wall. Confirm. Message to all ground commanders. Initiate the final phase. Let's crush these rebels once and for all. My name is Avon. Kerr Avon. Kerr Avon. Our hostage arrives which you may be unnecessary. As a hostage, it's nice to be superfluous. 
you can go to Blake7.com to find more of the new adventures of one of science fiction's greatest masterpieces. Blake7 at Blake7.com. The Ancient and the Strange It is time for The Ancient and the Strange, and we're actually going to make this... We, we had so many other things we were going to talk about in this episode, but we've just gone on many tributaries. And uh, so we're going to end off on this, on The Ancient and the Strange, instead of the climax. We'll save that for another time, because Ellen, you're going to be on again very soon. Um, With me, it's always a climax. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's two or three, <laughs> if not yeah. more. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> so um, no, that's not, we, we need to go do that here in a minute. Uh, so <laughs> let's. Uh, um, yeah, we'll, we'll just we'll make it a private climax. Uh, so, uh, okay. So the ancient and the strange. So. I've been using this segment lately to read parts of, or read the spirituality segment, not everything that I've written for the spirituality segment of the Sovereign Technica newsletter, but I've read quite a bit of them. And this is a segment where I intend, like spirituality is gonna be a very big part of it because it colors a lot of what we're going to talk about with the strange, the unexplained, the mysterious, the mystical as well as the ancient. Um, and so I thought, since I have you on, and I haven't had you on since the segment's been a thing, I, I have a couple questions that I want to ask. Oh, and, ask away. Yeah, and they, they like one kind of bleeds into the other, so I don't know which one we should pick up with, and maybe I'll leave it to you. But, you know, I, I've been amazed that I haven't really gotten any negative response to my open discussion of spirituality uh, since I started that, both with the newsletter as well as with, um, as well as in the show proper. Uh, maybe I've lost some people over it and I wish that they would like, you know, and not even in like a mean-spirited way, but if they wanted to be, that's fine. I would take it. I get it. I know how much of a shock it can be when new subjects like this can come up. Um, I wish they'd come at me you know, and say, okay, what is your problem with what I'm saying? Give me your points of disagreement. Let me know. You know, like, I want to know. Um, so I feel like some people may have walked away from that. I don't know. You know, anytime, there are, let me just say this. There are podcasts that I've listened to where suddenly a host, it was just too much. Like, all right, that's enough. I'm done. And I have reached out to them pretty much every time to say, hey, you know, I love what you've done over the years, but, like, this is bridge too far. I can't, you know, I'm not going down this road with you. Um, I just want you to know that, and, like, and I've explained it to them. Because, especially in podcasting, like, it's such a personal medium, you know? And I like to think people would know that I'm, I'm a fairly reasonable, and I would, at least I think I'm a rational person. And I guess that gets to my, you know, one of my questions, which is, ultimately, like, I want to know... And I think other people want to know how you feel about it. Like, what do you think uh, about 
what I've been saying about spirituality, my more open conversation around spirituality. And then the second question really is like, what are you, what do you, what does spirituality mean to you, Ellen Sovereign? And you know, like, what, do, do, do you get what I mean by these questions? Like, do, do you yeah, follow what I'm yeah, going Yeah, I think so. so okay. <laughs> so to answer your first question. Hug bees. Well, <laughs> I really love that you're talking about spirituality openly because it's a real blockbuster and we can sell a lot of subscriptions on that model. <laughs> <laughs> See, folks, it's all ads. It's all marketing. Don't worry. <laughs> Bezos cut me the check. Nah, I'm just joshing. Yeah. <laughs> just joshing you. <laughs> just pulling your leg. Yeah. Are you ribbing me? Come on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, I... So, uh, how I feel about you talking about spirituality openly. Um, well, firstly, like, I really firmly believe in in every sort of freedom who doesn't at Mm -hmm. this point but that really includes like religious freedom and i know you're not about religion but that's so often rolled up with spirituality right um so i i just appreciate that you are willing to openly talk about a a spiritual practice that you have lived your whole life Mm -hmm. and something that has been passed down to you through many, many generations. Um, and yes. I, I know how central it is to um, a lot of things about you, like the development of your um, lifestyle kind mm-hmm. of, you know, includes things from this spiritual practice that has survived for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that is really, truly incredible because there are so few things that can survive as long as ideas. And you are not only talking about them, but also applying them. And that is something that I think is like really just special and rare. And I, I love seeing it. Even if I don't completely understand it or have read all the literature, um, because I came from a very, like, stereotypical american family i suppose so like i wasn't i wasn't raised around that stuff you know like i sure i went to church and there was even a few years where i went to a private christian church and i read the bible but like i we don't study it in the same way that like jewish culture does where you have to like memorize the torah and you know read all of these other supplemental um dare i call them scriptures Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a lot, and it's very long-standing in a way that other religions aren't. Um, and it's a spiritual practice that, like, actually has a firm basis, or at least something that I feel like I can understand and relate to. Um, so I think, just to sum it all up, it's awesome. I think it's great. <laughs> <laughs> Go you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, well, let me. Yeah. So that's my attitude about you talking about this. Okay. And so, I hope that other people are as like open-minded mm-hmm. as I feel that I have been with you. Yeah. At so, least just listening to you talk about this. Yeah. All right. So thank you, first of all. And uh, this is certainly something I've alluded to. Maybe not have said so directly, uh, but I'm glad that you're saying it, or that it's coming from you. I mean, so. First off, 
because I want to get to the second question um, from you, and that's the most important thing to me. Uh, but first off, like you were singularly, uh, like, and I, and I, to this day, I still don't know why, like, I that I opened up to you, you know, about this when I opened up to no one else. Okay, like when you talk about the a couple of points, um, like you brought up how this is something that's been handed down to me. You know, and this is the part that I haven't like, like totally really you know gotten into with a lot of people. It's like, yes, I had things that were part of a tradition that I don't even know what books those were that was in yet that was given to me. You know, like by my father. Um, that it does come down from generations and generations. You know, going back, and. Um, that's something I, like I, I still even you know really need to wrestle with, and you know, and I've talked about that a lot of times, uh, you know, because my daughter, my father died a few years ago, and I still haven't really like, you know, haven't even taken the time to let that in. Um, but yeah, it, it, you know, so when I'm bringing stuff up, like this is stuff, yeah, like this is stuff that that some of which has been handed out to me because, you know, in Kabbalah you have there's there's two different mindsets one is that you don't tell anybody you know like it's it's master teacher and that or you know it's master student and that's it and you don't tell anybody else you know what i mean and that's certainly kind of what i grew up with um that 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 was the way of thinking and so that's why i don't know why years ago like i really opened up to you you know about this because again i was of the you know of the 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 school shall we say that you don't talk about it you know, like, like this is something that, that that's very personal to you. But I'm like, no, no what, for whatever reason, I just feel like, boom, no, I'm just going to let it rip. Yeah, do you think maybe it had something to do with the fact that I just kept asking you questions and wouldn't take no for an answer? It might have been that. And, you know, <laughs> actually, you know what? Fuck. I think you're, I think that's exactly it. Because you came to me, and I'm not saying I'm a great teacher or anything. Actually, I think I'm a shitty teacher um, of anything. But... You came, you have such an aura about you, and I don't mean that necessarily in a mystical sense. I'm saying you have such an aura about you are a true student. Like you are so wide eyed and always asking questions. And, but the, the, you see, the, you know what the difference is? Here's the difference is that there's a lot of people who are asked, who ask questions because they want to give their answers. No, you actually ask questions because you want to fucking know. <laughs> you know, like when you say to somebody, How are you doing? You're not the person who's just expecting to hear back. Oh yeah, I'm doing fine. Whatever. You know, like you really want to know how, how people are doing. Like you, you really care, and you, like you're so genuine. You're so sincere, and I think that's it. Yeah, I, I think like you kept asking, you kept asking, and I recognized in you, you know, that that you're a genuine truth seeker, and I guess I just never really encountered that before not not really i mean I, yeah i don't know that i ever really encountered that before in someone where like they they really really want to know i mean there's been i've had people in my life where i don't mind like you know telling them some some deep dark secrets and stuff but yeah no you're, you're a real truth seeker and and i and i think maybe that's that's what opened it up um so i want to i want to put this i want to ask ask this like quick side question and then and then like i want to hear about what spirituality means for you you know, uh, and that is like, <laughs> I mean, are there ever points in what you're reading where you go, holy fuck, why did I marry this person? What, what the hell is this? <laughs> you know, like, does that ever come up for you? And you can be honest, 
We can always edit it out <laughs> if you want. But. Um, I think maybe not in the spirituality section, but in other areas of life. Sometimes you say things and I'm like, where did this come from? That sounds really twisted to me. <laughs> I hope this never comes up again, but like, it doesn't matter if it comes up again or not because it's still a part of him. It lives in his brain somewhere and I guess I have to learn to be comfortable with it. Now look at that honesty. There you go. Okay. So it's so, so <laughs> the spirituality stuff, though. <laughs> but that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, folks, that's nothing. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm saying, right. basically. Yes. Yeah. So your quiet call for help was made. That's all right. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I I think that um, the things that you're saying are. If people don't buy into spirituality in any sense, at the very least, I think they should go along for the ride of the, the mental exercise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. Because I think that, like, the things that you say in the spirituality section, um, even if they are, like, outlandish, uh, they still are empowering Mm-hmm. In a sense, and I think that that can be really useful, whether you're a believer or not. Right on. Yeah. Well, the core of every single thing I do is about empowering the individual. Everything, and it's about the individual. No society, no group, no whatever. It's always about the individual. So, yeah, I'd like to think. I I, I really appreciate what you shared there, and I like to think that that's hopefully how it comes across to people, because you can do it without any kind of. Uh, non-rational not irrational but non-rational beliefs so anyway okay so all that said thank you um so i want to know like like what is what does spirituality look like in your life like what does it mean to you well i think it's taken on many different forms throughout my life Mm -hmm. and i don't know if i can talk about it without including a full story sure um I mean, basically, I, I guess I talked about it a minute ago, like, I, I grew up in a Christian household, which is very oppressive, um, and there were a lot of things that I had to learn to get over as an adult because I learned to be ashamed of so many things mm-hmm. when I was, you know, going through that religious system. Yeah. And... um. There was a while after I moved out when I was 18 that I was completely atheistic and totally against all religions and just wasn't interested. I didn't want to hear anything about it. Um, Is this the time when you were a bit of a Randbot? Would you say that? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I would say so. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sure. Um, so... It's funny, like, when I first said that I was an atheist, I was hanging out with a bunch of people who also read Ayn Rand, mm-hmm. and it, it it's just ironic that that's how it came up. Yeah. Because at first I wasn't really sure. I was like, hmm, yeah, I guess I'm an atheist, but everybody else is saying they're an atheist, so maybe there's something to think about there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, like, because of my upbringing, I had always come at it from the perspective of, um, well, of course there's a God. Why wouldn't there be? Right, right. Because that's what I was told my whole life. Yeah. And, you know, as I was growing up, um, and I had a very rough upbringing, um, 
my older sister would often make these points about how if if God is real, then why is he allowing all of this suffering to happen to mm-hmm. us? Not even, like, when you're a child, you don't see the suffering that happens to other people. You just see it in yourself. Right. First and foremost. And I would hear her say that, and first I would be angry and defensive, like, you shouldn't be saying that, God's going to strike you down, you know. <laughs> but then I was like, yeah, that that's a really good question. Why is this happening? Um, so eventually, you know, I... I got over that initial hurdle mm-hmm. um, and became a Randian, very logical, mm-hmm. bought into capitalism, bought into libertarianism, you know, all, all these isms that I thought were so edgy and cool and like, this is the awakening. Yeah. <laughs> the revolution will not be televised, man. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Uh, but it was just a stepping stone, you know? And I think when I first started asking you questions about, uh, I don't think I was even asking you questions about Kabbalah. I didn't know what that was Mm -hmm. at the time. I was just asking you questions about things that you would imply that were very mysterious. And I was Mm -hmm. like, well, wait, what do you mean by that? No, really, don't brush me off. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me, what, what are you actually trying to say? Um. But that happened at a very special time in my life when I was just starting to get to the point where I was giving spirituality a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think I mentioned this in the newsletter. Like, I had gone to Salem and done the witch tour and, like, had a tarot card reading, and, which was, like, very weirdly on the nose. Uh-huh. And that rose, you know, that, that, like, shook me up. I was like, where did this come from? You know, um, and not that I want to say that I really believed in anything specifically at the time. Like, oh, this woman must be psychic. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> she she read my aura. <laughs> yeah, right. I I don't know. Um, all I'm saying is that I was like mystified. Is is probably the right word. I was mystified by that experience. Mm-hmm. As in, I had a sense that there was something. I don't know what, but something, like, greater than myself. Um, and ever since then, I guess I've just been trying to investigate what what is that. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that there's, there's a lot of different answers for what that is. Um, but it's... I think it's important to still explore it because that, that realm is, you know, just as real as our own. And it's something that we live in and live through, even if it's not something tangible. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's, it's really important to recognize because it does have significant effects on this world. Like, so last time we visited Salem, I was telling you about what spirituality means to me. And Mm -hmm. I guess I'll try to recreate that conversation a little bit right now. But (laughs) basically, like, I... I went through a lot of challenges growing up, and when I became an adult, I basically gave up everything and just ran away and started fresh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was saying to you, like, I don't think that people can really understand how important 
the left-hand path of spirituality and of, like, believing in yourself and really empowering yourself. Like, nobody can understand the true power that lies within unless they have been at that point in life where they have nothing and they have to start over and build everything up again. Right. Including themselves. Right. And I know it's horrible, like, to think that you have to be to to such extremes of low in order to experience that that rich um power that lies within but i i don't i've just never met anybody who could really like feel that ability within themselves mm-hmm. that didn't experience some sort of challenge or adversity like that yeah well you know, I mean, there's there's the old adage, right, of um, when you have nothing to lose, you have everything to gain. And I think there's a there's there's not the way that that gets used, but the truth is that I think when you lose everything, like then you do have everything to gain, and but it's only when you lose everything that you feel everything, you know, like everything around you, and yeah. that's that's when you you realize, like, I mean to use your phrasing that's when you feel that something greater than yourself you know and that's where i think you do recognize your own power and your own ability to empower yourself you know like you said with the left hand path or you know whatever terms people want to use for that yeah that that feeling of infinite potential exactly bingo that's that's the best way to put it yes that feeling of infinite potential but yeah most people don't know it or don't experience it until they're at rock bottom, you know, until they've lost it all. Um, yeah, and I hear it because I've been there too. And yeah, that, that, that's so well said. Uh, please continue. Oh, I, I don't know that I have that much more to say. Except sure. that, um, you know, I, I think that power and that acknowledgement of potential is what has allowed me to climb the rungs of success as it were mm-hmm. and i'm not talking about success in my career or in college or anything like that it's mm-hmm. just success according to my own metrics yes what makes me happy and it's like i've succeeded in every part of life that i have applied myself to mm-hmm. because i don't give up and i really believe in myself and the reason i have that ability to do so despite having nobody supporting me is because I believed in myself and I drew power from that infinite potential yes. realm. And and that's that's what it is to me. Yeah. As best as I can describe it in words. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting. I mean, that that kind of plays off of too what I was saying that a that's that's beautiful. Um but it also plays off like I was saying earlier how I get so mad when people just give up. It's like, no, you never have to give up. <laughs> like, even when you've lost it all. Like, that's that's your moment. <laughs> like, like, that's when it's time to, like, really feel everything you've got and know everything that you are. Or, if you don't... Well, I'm trying to think how the old saying goes. That if you're not comfortable being alone, you're in bad company. <laughs> and And it's very true. You know, and but when you've lost everything, oh baby, that's that's when you that's that's your again that's st- still your moment. That's when you get to remake yourself. That's when you get to be 
someone that is com that you are comfortable being alone with, and yeah, I you know, and you get to feel that infinite potential, you know, and you have the chance to to, to remake yourself, um, you know, or rebuild your life, or whatever, and 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 this time you get to do it right. Uh, yeah, it's an amazing thing, and spirituality is such a part of that because, like, you know, I. I correct me if I'm wrong, you know, but again, you get to like feel everything around you. You're just so hyper aware and, uh, and you get to empower yourself through a lot of really, you know, like mindfulness and meditative practice. And you're, because, because again, because you have no distractions, everything is just so visceral, you know, and you can't help but experience the universe in, in a deeper way, I think. So anyway, I am adding on nothing that is constructive to what the beauty of what you I said. I think it's constructive. Yeah. I thought that was very good, what you said. Well, thank you. But <laughs> I thought what you said was amazing. So, do you want to wrap up with that? Do you have anything else you want to add in on what, what spirituality, you know, means to you? Oh, man. I, I'd love to hear what it means to you. Well, a lot of it is, is exactly what you said. Um, I mean, I, I guess, well, we're, we're, we're well into overtime, and it's getting yeah. late at night. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> That's part of the reason we need to end. I mean, I know we could keep talking about this for yeah. hours, but yeah, we do have real life limitations. Yes, for now. <laughs> <laughs> for now. But that's why we're practicing. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, I guess, I guess I will, I will say this. Like, part of what keeps me, what keeps me dipping back, what has kept me dipping back into the well of spirituality often enough, is that. Like, logic just doesn't explain what's going on. Like, you cannot explain so much of what's happening in the world logically, you know? And it goes beyond God's problem that you described earlier, right? Of, you know, well, wait, if we, it's an all-loving God, why does he allow bad things to happen? You know, that's the classic God's problem. Um, yeah, there's just, there, there is no logic to what's happening. There has to be a deeper component. To what's occurring there has to be things that we are just not seeing going on um and that's that's a big part of it for me uh you know and and that's that's where the spiritual dimension got to be careful with that word but that's that's where it starts coming in for me so i'm i'm gonna leave it at that yeah <laughs> and and i will at this point recommend that everybody Go check out the Sovereign Technica newsletter. Or did you have something you wanted to say? Yeah, so I have other questions. Like, where did dreams come from? And what is consciousness, really? Well, <laughs> <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> uh. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We, yeah. we can end it there. Yeah. This is a superficial ending. Yeah, no. <laughs> we'll pick it up again next week. Yeah, or get your questions in. We, so, or send send them send send them to the newsletter. Yeah, what, what's the newsletter email? Is it so sovereign news at protonmail.com, right? Yes. Yeah. Sovereign.news at protonmail.com. It's sovereign, or, or wait, no, maybe sovereign, it is sovereign it's just news. Sovereign news at uh, protonmail.com. Yes. Sovereign news at protonmail.com or q22 at nwo.red. Uh, not to confuse everybody but <laughs> we have plenty of ways or at least a couple ways to reach out to us um, or of course you can become a patron you can hang out in the discord which there's a whole channel for the the, the sovereign technica newsletter there that people can utilize um, lots of ways to get in touch with us and interact and of course we're sharing our thoughts and insights and nonsense and whatever else in many venues uh, 
So do, you know, please feel free to frequent all of them. Uh, Ellen, such a pleasure, as always, to to have you on. Um, Thanks. Yeah, I really love being on, and I hope I get to do this again soon. I want you to, because I, I feel like, I mean, you're my wife, so I just get to experience you all the time, and I get to just bask in your <laughs> radiance and brilliance. Uh, but, you know, I don't mind... Yeah, share my a ass bit. a little more. Yeah, <laughs> letting, you know, letting letting your light shine on some others here and there. Uh, so, <laughs> I, I love to shine. Oh, you do all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Even if I'm just throwing nonsense out there. Hug bees. Hug bees. Come on. Go ahead, try it. Try it. You'll feel better. Hug bees. Hug bees. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Episode five hundred. Wrapping it up. On to Sovereign Technica. Thank you so much. And we will see all of you on the other side.